Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 15 for Sunday the 25th of October 2020. In this week's show, we'll be discussing the original Fire Emblem gets a re-release, Pac-Man jumps into the Battle Royale bandwagon, and Swinney's Swinpressions of the Solitaire Conspiracy. Now I'm joined by the Xbox Hall of Famer himself, the number one Southern Hemisphere RPG Xbox player, number uh, two in the world. Yeah, technically, yeah. Technically. I would say that's the Australian way to do it. If you... <laughs> If you're the best in Australia or something and you can stretch that to the Southern Hemisphere, well, you do I, it. I, I say I assume Southern Hemisphere. I won't say I know the exact location, the current location of the we'll number one. We'll roll with one. it. Uh, yeah, we'll roll for it. Swinney, uh, welcome. Uh, welcome yourself. Yeah. And before we kick off, i got to shout out uh, a correction. So last week I was talking about the PS5 and sort of saying, you know, why isn't there a camera and it can remove the background and you know, post on Twitch and do all this kind of stuff. And they literally have that for the PS5. Now, in my defense, they haven't really publicized or emphasized that it can be put onto Twitch or to YouTube. And even if you go to their disclosures and their like marketing pages, it doesn't say Twitch, never says that word. But what I did was I went through the HTML code of the site and it actually does refer to Twitch in the HTML code. So it's either something that is going to be activated or something that's going to be announced later or whatever. But essentially, i got to have a correction because literally everything I wanted them to do, they've done. And having said that, there's like no noise about this. Like no one's excited about this at all. So I think you were right in terms of people are not interested in doing that on the PS5. Oh, we'll, we'll see. There's, there's definitely some people will take advantage of it. Um, mm. And it's interesting because... If Mixer told me anything is that, like, we're already at a point of such, um, what's the term? I can't think of it. Basically, oversaturation in streaming. It's insane. Like, it's, some people obviously just do it for fun, just like we do podcasts for fun, you know? We're not expecting to become celebrities from from Chatty Mac Games (laughs) Weekly. No. (laughs) Um, But, and so I understand that, but... There's obviously a lot of people who are out there that are really trying hard, and it's it must be tough. It must be tough to try to get um, get attention as a streamer these days, a new streamer. Oh, look, I see it in everything. You know, I remember back in the day, I was like really into crypto stuff, and this is like so far beyond when it was mainstream. This was literally when people are like, "What is this Bitcoin thing? What are you talking about?" So much so that like when it really took off the amount of people in the investment world that I'm like, that I work in or sort of more worked in, in the past with investments, they would always call me up out of the blue. It's like, Hey, you were talking about that Bitcoin like five years ago. What the hell? Like <laughs> wanting my advice about stuff. I, I think, you know, with the whole story. That thing, just, that just reminds me of that. Like, <laughs> something like a oh, Bitcoin more like, Shit coin, am I right? <laughs> that, that comment that for some reason just just was just just really funny. I just loved it. Um, so you know, like I think always with these type of things, you need to either like catch the wave as it's coming up, or like you know once it's established, you need to have something like really special to inject into the segment if you want it to be successful. And I think that's a really critical point. Like, you know, for you and I starting this podcast, we don't really have a USP, but we just do it because we enjoy it. 
you know, I'm not expecting us to be even the number one podcast in Australia for gaming. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because we don't have anything specific that we're offering that is so different to the existing offerings that have already been around for five years. Come on, and, who else has got a, a an a, according to you a Xbox Hall of Famer, which is not true. True. <laughs> true. Also, I think we are the longest runtime Australian gaming podcast. So maybe, the, maybe we should advertise that. By the way, that whole Xbox Hall of Fame thing, it's kind of a shame that I ended up in hospital for that weekend that we couldn't that I couldn't do the podcast because you were gonna yeah. try to convince me at the time I know, I know. to to sign up and it, it it you know the registration finished and everything. Um and I never got to actually tell you I was already signed up. Oh I'm gonna kill you. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> I can't believe that. I'm actually like pissed. I, like, oh, I couldn't reveal it, damn it. I couldn't. The whole thing was I was going to get you to do another pitch and I was supposed oh to say, oh, God. I'm so oh, annoyed, that's good actually. To know. That's good I'm so to know, annoyed. I, I even up. spoke to my wife about that. I'm like, why is he not signing up? I was like, literally, for a fleeting second, trying to jump on the Xbox site and I'm like, I wonder if I could just sign up for him. And then I'm like, no, I can't do that. Oh, man, you're an asshole. I can't believe you did that. It actually did. Because I, I don't know. I, I swear you weren't going to sign up. Because that is kind of like your personality type. You know, if you feel like, oh, well, I can't win it, so what's the point? Honestly, if it wasn't so easy to sign up, I probably wouldn't have yeah. bothered. Because literally, when you're already logged in, you just press the button. That's it. And you're in. You don't do anything else. Um, well, and I, I haven't told you this. And the- <laughs> I reached out to Xbox Australia. <laughs> what? And I'm like, why are there not more categories? Like, specific categories? Like, I don't know, RPG? <laughs> And then they came back to me and they're like, oh, all the, all the conditions are on the website and all this other kind of stuff and all the categories. I'm like, ah, can response bastards. <laughs> what are you expecting them to do? And to change their whole like strategy from you hey, just saying. If they've got a player who's like so dominant in one category in Australia versus the world, you know, something to celebrate. <laughs> Uh, no, the and the only reason I also did it was because the like the random chance thing. You know, it's like, yeah. okay. Well, if by random chance I happen to <laughs> land myself an Xbox Series X, I'll take it. But, yeah, that's why I've been eating a lot of Hungry Jacks recently, given that they're giving away <laughs> PS fives. Are they doing that in Australia as well? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we. Oh, mentioned sorry, it I say last Hungry week. Jacks. That's the Australian name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if we mentioned it last week, but Burger King in the states are giving away a thousand PS fives. And Hungry Jacks, which is the Burger King here, and there's a long story about a Perth businessman, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we also had Hungry Jacks and Burger King at the same time in Australia at one point, even though it's the same company. It's really bizarre. Um, they're giving away 50, which is about equivalent from a population kind of perspective. Yeah, that's fair, fair call. Yeah. So it, there are so many contests to, uh, you know, win PS5s, Xbox Series X. It's crazy. Like, it, it does make me... There was one where it's like, you need to donate to charity or something to have a chance. And I'm like, ooh, maybe I should do that. <laughs> Tax write-off. <laughs> uh, but um, I lost, my, I lost, lost where we were at. Um, in terms <laughs> we, of were just, we weren't talking about anything. We are just oh, saying, okay. well, how, what have you been up to this week? I'll ask you first. Okay, so <laughs> I've got a story. So there has been a lot of commentary around Amiibo. And I do... I don't even say I collect Amiibo. I just buy them. I'm not really a collector. I do have a hundred and something of them. I don't know. I don't know really understand oh, the whole. I'm not a collector. Thing. I have a hundred and something of them. That is <laughs> that is a line. That that there's something wrong with that. 
but oh, I don't know how to say it. Like, you know, I'll let you know my son play with them. I'll, I'm gonna just open them all up. It's more laziness that I haven't opened them all up. Um, you know, I'm not trying to keep them pristine or anything like that necessarily. I don't want to break them, but you know, if they break, what you know, it is what it is. So I don't feel like that's a collector mentality. But I guess it is collecting, whatever. Anyway, so it's co- it's collecting without care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mindless collecting and mindless consumerism. Um, so there was a really special series of Amiibo that got released in Japan only as part of Monster Hunter Stories 3DS release. So from memory, it was like three or four Amiibo. And they were really cool ones. They were like ones where, you, like very different from Amiibo, you could actually remove the riders from the monsters. Um, or no, they're not from the monsters. I can't remember what they're called. Um uh, and there's a, there's a, like a cat one, N- Navarro, and it's a so palico. expensive, dude. It, what was that? Uh, a palico? Uh, like I a, think so, but like stylized? Like it looks like a cat. It actually looks like a cat. Yeah, it looks like a cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be palico, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll send the, I'll, I'll shoot you a link so you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I think it's a palico, yeah, yeah. It's just very stylized. It's not like what you'd normally see or what you're used to. So this amiibo is one of the most expensive amiibos. It's it's insane. It's like loose, like three hundred dollars or something like that, right? And you know, I'll never pay that much for for an amiibo. But I guess like when you when you are like in a scene or something like that, because you're surrounded by psychos like you are, everything gets normalized. So you know, I think if you imported this, it would have been like. Australian, something like that, right? Anyway, there was an eBay listing for one, and I'm always, like, monitoring that stuff. And, like, the person said, oh, hey, it's broken. So, it was definitely genuine. It just doesn't scan. And the whole scanning thing, I don't really care about that either. So, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, this is actually good for me because, you know, it's going to go for a lower price because some people just don't like that kind of stuff. They want it, like, perfect. Um, so I've got a chance to get it. And I was kind of like, maybe I'll pay like 50 bucks for it, which is insane. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. It's insane. And what I do on eBay, I always wait till like the last three seconds to bid. So I was at I'm work. actually surprised you actually found an option on eBay, considering half of them seem to be buy it now these days. True. I like the buy it now ones, but in this kind of space, they always do like bids for like very expensive items, normally at least. Um, and... When it was like three seconds to go, I think I tapped 50 and it would already went higher. And I was like, oh, stuff it. I'm going to just pay $70 for it, right? I typed 70 and went, okay. And you got to understand, it's like three, two, like when I'm doing all of this stuff, right? So I go 70 and then it goes 71 needs to be the highest bid. And then I go 71. So I'm like typing in as frantically as possible because it's like one second to go. And I'm like, bang, 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 like mashing it and pressing okay. And as soon as I pressed okay, I saw what the number on the screen that I pressed was which was $771 that I bid for this Amiibo. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Because <laughs> the thing is, I know that these Amiibo can go for like $300. So I was thinking, oh shit, like it legitimately could go to like 350 or something like that. And I was like, not panicking, but I was just like in a state of shock. I was like, oh my God, what have I just done? I've just bid seven hundred and seventy dollars for an amiibo. Here goes my, here goes my children's university funds. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, Sunny. For for amiibo of a game I've never played, <laughs> and I don't even know what the character is, and like if it's a palico or not. 
Um, so anyway, the the bid got resolved, and it was like a hundred and five dollars. And that's, oh, that's where not I then. Too bad. Well, yeah, I know. So this is the trouble, man. This is how it gets you. This is how it's like sick. So I was like sitting there going, okay, this is like the cheapest it's ever sold for in Australia. And even like internationally, they usually sell for like $300 Australian equivalent. So I'm like, $105. This is like a bargain. <laughs> and then, I, I, you know, where I, I landed on the whole thing? I was like, ultimately, I never bid. A hundred and something dollars for it. My intention was always to bid like max, like $75 max. And even then I would have felt dirty. Right. So like, once I thought through that, I was like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta try to cancel this if I can. Right. And I do sell a lot of things on eBay and I hate when people cancel because it's so annoying. You have to relist the whole thing. It starts the whole thing again. Um, so I submitted a cancellation and I reached out to the seller and I was like very apologetic and explain the situation. Like I was like literally trying to mash 71 and I've double pressed the seven. And I think they understood. They were really good about it actually. Like it's not a surprise they have a hundred percent rating and they've sold like a thousand things. They just basically said, yeah, cool. Canceled and relisted. And then I've bid for the relisted entry as well. Oh, what? That what is, the- <laughs> that is, that's wrong. Like what? There's, How's that there's wrong? nothing you could say. How's that wrong? <laughs> So people saying that's wrong. I don't understand how it's wrong. How is that wrong? I'm. I don't even want to humor you with a response to that. Why is that wrong? Why do I have to explain the fact that you won a bid and said, "Oh man, I made a mistake, cancelled it," and then the do uh, the person had to relist it. Yeah, and, you know, I'm sure that's a quick thing for them, but they have to relist it, and then you rebid on it. Oh come, on. that is that <laughs> is a that is a dick move. That's I dick literally move. do not know why people think like <laughs> I'll give it to you, and I want to ask some other friends about this. I'll give it to you when I have spoken to people about this story. They're all like, "You're a dick," <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't actually understand why." And maybe it's if you're a very capitalist person or like an eBay seller, you just get it. You understand why. It's like, I didn't intend to bid $771 for one single Amiibo. By the way, the most expensive Amiibo is like maybe $400 Australian dollars, like the Box Boy one. Maybe, Yeah, right? but now, if, you, if, you, if it goes for less, not only has that person lost out on that, on that money that you bid for, but you, if you win at a lower price, <laughs> then you've gone through the process of cancelling a high bid that you won and then got it at a cheaper price. Like yeah, and if that person, to be that person may not actually recognize it's you or not, but like if they do, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they said if they actually cancelled it. Why? I don't know. That's just I. That's I. I'd be pretty pissed as a seller if someone rebid on something that cancelled. I told them that I'm going to bid on it. Well, at least you, at least you're upfront about it. So this is the thing, and I know it's a so, blind spot so you're for saying, me. So you're saying eBay's a world of dicks, then? Everyone's just a dick, and they understand it's not a dick. everyone's How's it dick, a dick language. I did. A, I made a mistake. I wanted to bid for it. I wanted to bid like seventy five, but man, I didn't mean to bid seven hundred and seventy one. I, I wish we could title our episode "How's It a Dick?" <laughs> How my dick? No, how is it a dick? <laughs> no, it should be "I am the dick." Am I the dick? It's like that subreddit. Oh, Am I the asshole? I'm not sure if we could title it asshole. But <laughs> yeah, anyway, so that was my story this week. I, I still don't understand why I'm the bad guy in that story, but I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Man, Man people and, do. And you, 
People and you've criticized Mike sometimes for like exploiting like uh, price it's matching and catalog pricing and stuff. Okay, L- let me be clear. I didn't do this with the intention to cancel his thing and then reset it. Like I, I don't want that to be confused. I didn't intend to like overbid and then go to the guy, hey, cancel it, and then for it to go to a fresh auction again. That's that's scummy. Like if I did that, that that's definitely scummy. That's worse than being a dick, right? That's not what I did. What happened was I was bidding. I was a legitimate bidder in the process, and I put a, a, a incorrect bid in, essentially that I never I, like I wanted to retract, which you know kind of eBay allows you to do. Okay. Okay. So, All right. so I have to say, <laughs> if I do win it, it will, <laughs> it will be interesting to see what happens because I didn't think of that. They they might be pissed off about it. I just like how I'm like so blind to this stuff. Oh man! All right. Well, <laughs> why don't we get into this? Uh, this week's first headliner. Uh, so this week, uh, in a very cool announcement, very like shadow drop again. I feel like a lot of these things could have just been all combined together into a like a draw. Uh, sorry, a Nintendo Direct. I've forgotten what they're called now because there haven't been many. Um, Nintendo announced a special re-release of the very first Fire Emblem game. And, you know, for the West, we've actually... We missed out on so many releases of Fire Emblem until... What was it? Fire Emblem on GBA, I think it was, which was like the seventh Fire Emblem that was... Um, yeah, so... Made. Yeah, so... And I think it was just titled Fire Emblem here, but, yeah. um, you know, it was titled... Obviously had not over there, yeah. Japan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this was uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. And... The the special thing here, so this is going to be released on the eShop in Australia for $9. Again, they're doing this thing that they're going to make it limited until March 31. Uh, but I think the real cool news here is the very special limited edition pack that they uh, announced. So it was $90 Australian, like $50 US, and didn't come to the UK region, the European region, but for oh, whatever just, reason... Sorry. Just to correction, the one that we, first one we got um, was uh, the sixth Fire Emblem game, the Are Binding sure? Blade. Yes, I'm in on Australia there now. or yeah, I'm on I'm on the list now. <laughs> I'm just okay. telling you, it's the sixth one called the Binding Blade. Uh, that was the one on GPA. Oh, okay. Might have to double check that later. Um... And I'm literally looking at a list of the games. That's just not want? how I recall it. I, like, and I'm not sure if I'm thinking of it in terms of, you know, because there is debate about how, like what constitutes as an actual game in that series. So, like, you know, even when Sakurai was counting them all, he actually counted the re-releases as originals. So, like, yeah, it got up to like Fire Emblem Seventeen or something. Just telling you now, I'm literally seeing a list of the timeline of the series, and 2002 mm. was the sixth game. Okay. Um, I'll check that when you're doing your little spiels. Um, and yeah, going back to the collector's edition. So $50 US, I don't from memory believe it's been listed yet. I might be wrong on GameSpot, but I do know with Australia EB games, it was listed and it's already sold out. Uh, and what it had in it was a stylized NES box, like the actual, like the old school boxes that you could buy. And then the slip case and like, a, it looks like a little plastic replica of an NES cart, um, a Nintendo Power, which isn't really applicable here in Australia, but very much in the US, but was still in the Australian version of the release. Uh, and then like an NES 
you know, uh, manual. And I should say, you know, all of, all of this, like the game was only in Japan. It was only in Japanese. It had remakes and re-releases uh, that, it, you know, obviously been translated that are released here, including, I think you have one, the DS version from memory. Yeah, Shadow Dragon. Yeah. And a correction on my correction. So the, the back-to-back GBA releases in 2002-2003. Um, so the Binding Blade was on GBA, the first one GBA. Um, the Blazing Blade, which is the one, which is the seventh, that's the one that was released here as Fire Emblem. So, so I was right the- then. Yeah. Oh, I, I've got this. I've got to put a marker down. <laughs> this is a monumental yeah, time I'm, in I'm ha- history. I'm happy to to admit <laughs> when when I've uh, got something correct, but it's uh yeah, it's because they were back to back at the same mm. time, so that's why it was kind of confusing. The both GBA games. So it is actually like a really confusing series because since I I've, the first uh, game that I got into was Three Houses, which is obviously the most recent game. And man, I love that game so much. So I've started to really get my head around the series and it is really confusing, like the re-releases and, you know, what the titles are and they're very different in the West compared to um, Japan. So yeah, like this one's big because it's like the first time they've ever taken the original game and translated it. And they've added new things into the game as well, which is cool. There's like, it's like integrated um, chapter spots that you can kind of save your, it's like a save state essentially. Uh, And you can also speed up the game. So you can either speed up <clears throat> the AI or yourself or both. So like a lot of quality of life improvements, that, which is pretty cool. That's that's really good because the rest of the features are kind of a given with anything they release on, you know, your virtual console style things these yeah. days, especially with like the Nintendo Switch Online and the NES Online stuff. But the fast forwarding, that's something they've obviously built just for this, which is cool. Yeah. Um, it. It's weird, like, whenever you're able to do that in a game, though, sometimes I, I think you don't properly appreciate as much of the flow of the battle if you fast-forward the enemy's moves all the time. But, I mean, it's still helpful. I'm not going to say it's not helpful. So. Well, like, in Fire Emblem Three Houses, they have <clears throat> they have the same type of system there as well. And I think, like, it actually... Like, I started to skip the enemy's animations when it didn't make sense for me to watch them, if that makes sense. So, like, I didn't need to watch it to understand what they're doing. Um, So, I'm really glad that they've got that integrated in as well. So, you know, I guess the question is, this was $90 Australian. Did you you buy it from EB Games? (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't know why that's such a, like, funny question. Well, Uh, I've I've got Shadow Dragon, so if I want to play through that storyline, I've got it. Um, obviously it's a very different game, um, in a lot of ways, but, um, Shadow Dragon, while it was, I, I've played through, I've played through Path of Radiance, which is amazing. Um, mm. I played through the two GBA ones that were released here. Um, and I've played through Shadow Dragon, uh, out of those four Shadow Dragons, probably my least favorite, but that's also got to do with the art style. Um, they kind of got this weird pre-rendered art style. A lot of people didn't really like, and I'm kind of with them on that um yeah. but i honestly have no absolutely no interest in purchasing a 90 dollar special edition of a of a nest game really not <laughs> it's just not what i'm looking for but it's huge <laughs> for fans i love it for fans you know um and it's great that they're doing it for the west as well this easily could have just been a japan only special edition yeah um or collector's edition and no they actually have uh have done it here so it's great well, and we're lucky because we are 
theoretically under the European part component of Nintendo, but we do sometimes get US releases when they don't get the release in Europe, which is just so odd the way it all works. Um, cause it's not like as if Fire Emblem for me feels like a massive franchise in Australia. Um, yeah, so it was really cool to get it. I was like, oh, and we should say that the trailer that they had for it, like the Shadow Drop trailer. It was so good. Me, it was, it was freaking really amazing. Good. Like opens up and it's really funny because, you know, in Australia, definitely in Australia, everyone's introduction to Marth was through Smash Brothers. And like, I remember when I saw Marth, I was like, well, who, like who the hell's Marth? Like, I thought I knew a lot about Nintendo. Um, and, you know, it played into that. It was really funny. Had like the CRT at the start. Uh, like that they're watching and it's like kids kind of arguing about who the hell's Marth. It's just so well done. Like so, so, so well done. It's something that Nintendo does so well. I'd always known about the Fire Emblem series just from, like I used to get, um, there's a magazine, I think it's called Super Play in the UK when I was living over there. And that that was all about import games and stuff. So you had your uh, Total Magazine, Games Master and all that over there that were focused on, you know, like, just the games that everyone could get access to in Europe. Yeah. Then you had things like EGM. So that was, you know, oh, these are all, oh, yeah. the, these are all the cool games that, you know, that are in the US, but we can't get over here. And then you had Superplay, which was really, really cool because they showcased all these Japanese games. And so you always heard, I heard about Fire Emblem through that kind of stuff. But then when emulation became a thing, you're like, oh man, what, you know, fi- finally this is what Fire Emblem is and you play it and you're like, I have no idea what's going on. I can't read any of the, you know, the, <laughs> the language, of course. Yeah. So it's like, it's really, those games are very difficult to play um, via emulation until, um, you know, I imagine people have done English patches, fan patches for some of those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, for all of them. Yeah, so it's, until that happened, you know, there was no real, proper way to play it unless you knew Japanese um, or just persevered. So it's, it's really, really great. Um, I, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what the general con- reaction to this announcement was because I imagine some people would have been like a little underwhelmed of like, oh, they're just re-releasing an uh, NES game as opposed to thinking something like new and flashy. But that's just... I hope that's not the case. I haven't sat there and looked at what the amount of dislikes were on the trailers and stuff like that. So I hope no, it's like overall, from what I saw, very positive. Like it wasn't the- like one of those ones. Like surprisingly, I guess you know. And I think maybe that's more the fan base. You know, I do find the Smash fan base to be a bit bonkers around stuff. It does. Yeah, it does uh, make me <laughs> wonder though. Like. When are they going to do Mother 3? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've never brought that up on the podcast, have we? No. Do you want to give the background here for people that are like, what the hell's Mother 3? Well, a lot of people will know the name Earthbound more so than Mother, but basically um, the third game in the series, Mother 3, because, you know, had Mother, Mother 2, um, and I can't remember, I think they called it Earthbound. What do they call Mother... When they release some virtual console, it's here, so like weird. Earth so over there, it was like mother, something. mother one. Sorry, mother, mother two, mother three, and then here we got Earthbound, which is mother two, which is a Super Nintendo game. And then they did finally re-release the because tra- they had a translated version of Mother, and I don't recall what they were going to call it. Um, but when they re-released it on like the Wii U eShop or something like that, they called it Earthbound Beginnings. Beginnings, that's it, yeah. And Mother 3 is, um, by all accounts, a fantastic game. Um, there's heaps of great 
fan translations out there ready for the you know to playing playing it on uh, GBA emulation. Um, but yeah. it's a game it, out of out of ev- every I guess unreleased Nintendo game in in you know outside of Japan. That's the one game that people have been clamoring for, and Nintendo have brought it up before in jokes and and self referential humor about it. Um, I mean, it's an easy rainy day thing for them to be like, oh, you know. Here's the mother three re-release, blah blah blah. Like it's something they could pull out of their pocket at any time, really. Um, once yeah. they put a little bit of work into it, um, and I just wonder if they're waiting for if there's some kind of anniversary or something coming up for the series. Um, that I think there is though. I think it. in like next year, it's thirty years or something like that, isn't it? I have no idea, but yeah, it's that would be the perfect time to do it, just like they did with this. So. Yeah, look, so look forward um, to all those un, unhappy people when it's not announced in every single Nintendo Direct. <laughs> you know, but they 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 go to their own. Uh, they what what is it? They they walk to the beat of their own drum. That's not right. I can't remember how that saying goes. Yeah, they march, march to the beat of their own drum, right? Nintendo and for me, it's like they don't really care about what people think about that stuff. You know, it's like eh, people don't like what we do. Whatever. I don't think it really changes their plans. What you know, whether people are like desperately clamoring for something or not. Um, yeah, it's it, like the only challenge that they'll have with Mother Three is because I don't know if you played it at all. It's like there's so much text, dude. Like, and I know, like, it sounds like oh yeah, whatever. It's literally like insane how much text that has, and there is an amazing translation of it. So if you go to StarMen.net. It's like the definitive translation of that game. Um, and it's the one that everyone uses for reproduction carts and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the, just listening to the team, it's like it literally took them like years to get through it. So I kind of wonder if it's a bit like they look at it and just go, geez, it's just like too much, too much work to go into that game to translate it. So, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a shame that they're not very open to just, you know, essentially, you know, giving... Giving money to those people for that yeah. work, you know. <clears throat> well, you know, you look at Valve. That's what Valve would do. They go, well, hey, there's mm. a great translation here. I think there's a few things that they would censor that's in the translation. Um, <clears throat> but I think, like, overall, yeah, that's what Valve would do, wouldn't they? Like, that's what they've done with, mm. you know, the updates to La- uh, Left 4 Dead and Black Mesa and all that kind of stuff. So that would be the most logical thing to do. Go, hey, guys, it's- great job. But they hate that shit, Nintendo. Yeah, I know. Because they feel like going, it encourages it. Going back to Earthbound for a second, I will admit that that's one of my shameful games that I've never played all the way through. Uh, every time I've tried to play Earthbound, something's just always pushed me away about it. And I know that... I know it's it's a great game. Um, I It's not that I've disliked when I've played it. I just think that I've just never been in a right moment to give it a shot. Um, so I hope to one day, I don't, I don't believe it's a super long game or anything. So, no, it's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, for me, the, the one on that vein is, uh, Undertale. It's like, I, I played quite a bit of Undertale and then I just gave it up. I don't know. It just didn't click with me. Like, I think it had way too high expectations in my mind because everyone's like, oh, this game's amazing. And I played, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. Well, I think that game shows its hands. Like, I think maybe the full experience probably is 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 where maybe that hype comes from. Um, but oh, okay. the thing is, if you're not <clears throat> enjoying, and the things I say that someone who's never played it, um, just from by all accounts. But 
the thing with that game is, well, any game, like if you play it, you're not enjoying it. You don't have to keep playing it, you know, and that's it. Well, that's, <laughs> it's like, that's well, me. that's it. <laughs> that's me with Lord of the Rings, the books. Like I can, I just can't stand those books. Like I've read so many, I would have read it twice if I just kept going by now because I've read up to halfway through two towers or something like that. And then I'd start it again years later. Um, I just, can you believe <clears throat> I've actually, I've, I've read through Lord of the Rings twice and I've even listened to the audio book version of it, oh, God. which was really, which was really interesting. And the, the, the audio book, actually, the, the guy does the audio book. He, his voice is actually what inspired um, the Gollum voice for Andy Serkis. So it's oh, really cool. cool. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, but just getting back to Fire Emblem. So when when I watched this trailer, I was like super into it. I was watching it going, shit, like I'm going to buy this. And then like when they were talking about the collector's edition, the thing that they let slip, they go, it's a digital game download. So there's no cart or anything. And I don't know why. And it made me think like, why is this? But as soon as they said that, I just like totally turned off it. And then I was chatting to my wife about, oh, should I get this? It's like so much money. It's ridiculous for what it is. It's such a cool piece though, you know? And there's like an art book in it. I love going through those art books. Like I really do love going through those art books. But then ultimately just this digital download, it just pissed me off. And I was like, nah, forget about it. I'm not going to get it. It's just going to annoy me that it's a digital download. It's interesting to see the reaction um, across the internet that the entire focus of this is on that limited digital release until the 31st of March. Yeah. And you know what? For a game like this, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, it doesn't bother me at all. We're very we're very contra to what everyone thinks know, about these limited I releases. I understand why people don't like it. Um, I think getting pissed off about it is is unreasonable. But I understand why people don't like the idea because theoretically there's no real reason technically, right? But we know it's FOMO. We know the reason why they're doing it. It's marketing. It's it's the it's you know, it's basically a way to drum up and get the sales and kind of, you know, create a bit of a buzz about it. Yeah. But to get pissed off about it, I mean, this is this is a game that you could have played at any point by downloading like an emulator, you know, if you really right. wanted to. Well, so, and more, you're still going to be able more. to do that. The best version of this game, according to like heaps, like you know, really deep Fire Emblem fans, is the SNES version. So the SNES they remade this game, and mm. you know, it's got SNES graphics, and I know there's translations of that game. So if you really want to play it, that's the best way to play it. And, you know, there's obviously the, the release version, which is what you've got on the Nintendo DS. So there's, like, plenty of ways to play it. Nintendo DS, by the way, you can play that on the 3DS. You know, the stack's way to play it. I, what I don't understand about this whole argument is either if you're into the game, you're going to buy it. Uh, you know, and I, I, I hear that people go, and, you know, I'm very privileged. You know, I've got to be clear about that. Like, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, but, like, I'm very privileged now and I'm very lucky but I still feel like, geez, like it's a $9 Australian digital release. Like if you really want to play this game, you can buy it. You know, you don't have a Switch if you can't afford $9 for a game. And I think I saw a comment the argument that people have around, hey, you know, it's limited. Like what if, you know, they're trying to save up for it? I'm just like, that's just BS. That's BS. And then at that point, it's just marketing. Like when are people getting angry at Xbox for creating a Xbox Series X fridge? 
that they've started to give away to influencers. That's just marketing. They didn't need to do that. Like, I don't I really, I struggled to get it. That argument held a lot more weight when you're talking about an $80 game like Mario Stars. You know, a $10 game is very different uh, ballpark. But also, I've also heard an argument here and there that, oh, maybe what if you want this game, but you you don't have a Switch yet and you want to, you'd love, but you'd like it. And it's like, <laughs> well, technically, you know, it's not a great way to do it, but technically you can probably sign up to Nintendo account and purchase it off their website. And so you've got that you on can. your account. You I can't. don't think you can. No, you need a Switch to be able to create the account from my recollection. You can't do that online. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Okay. But I mean, we'll you can borrow someone's that. Switch. It's a bit convoluted, rah, rah, rah. But... Oh, yeah. At that point, why bother? But yeah. But I, I, again, it's like, I know this, I'm going to sound like an asshole. This is this is the whole show of like, am I the asshole? Am I the a-hole? <laughs> um, but seriously, it's like, in life, there's plenty of things I've missed out on. Plenty of things. But that's life. You can't experience everything in life. And sometimes things suck, right? And I've had that when I was growing up. But... You know, it, it, it steals that, you. To me, that's the episode title. Sometimes things suck. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's like you can't have everything. I feel like people are so entitled to like, you know, I want everything, you know? It's like, uh, you know, that's part of life. Sometimes you miss out on things. I've missed out on a bunch of Nintendo stuff that I'd love to have, you know? Yeah. I, I know. In, in everyone's defense, I think it just stings a bit more because it's the digital part. You know, but who cares? Some people do clearly. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Uh, like in the future, everything's going to be digital anyway. You'd presume. Like I'd be pretty surprised if we're still having talking about carts in ten years' time. Uh well, I think this this whole collector's thing is still something that'll happen. But as you said, it's yes. just going to be digital code in the box anyway. So, well, and I I keep going back to my thing of I feel like at this point just don't even have a code. Just release the the thing without the code. Ah, uh, but then I mean, in this this is a situ- not so much this situation, but there's times when there might just be a, like a something else that's like not a, as expensive, but you actually want to purchase as a present for someone. Then you know, then they don't you don't have to go through the extra step of getting that's them true. to purchase it and giving them the money for it because I still don't think you can gift stuff on Nintendo either, can you? No, and that so sucks. Could, yeah, so in that situation, you could give someone the game at the same time, but then that also assumes you have access to a Switch and not everyone would be in that situation. So yeah. I think as a, from a gift and retail standpoint, they sh- the code in the box makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you could always have the codes there separate as well, but yeah, I, I yeah. get what you're saying. That gift thing's so annoying. Like my wife's brother, I wanted to get him the Smash DLC, the first Challenger pack for his birthday or Christmas or something like that. And like, I was like, okay, how do I send this to him? Cause I've sent him stuff on steam before and I'm like, Oh, I can't like, there's no way to do it. So I had to go, Hey, can you bring your switch over? And then I just like dodgily went, Hey, I need to do something with a switch to connect it to our Wi-Fi." And he's like, mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Whatever. And then I, I don't bought know it if, um, thing. I don't know about PlayStation, but I know Xbox only introduced that this gen or current gen, uh, whereas it wasn't available on 360 and stuff. So, I yeah. think they're introducing it on PlayStation, but it's been an issue on PlayStation as well. Yeah, and it just seems weird to me because it's such a no-brainer, right? Like people like our crazy friend Mike, who's been on the podcast. He's the kind of guy that if he's been really into a game, he'll buy it for you. He's done that to me before. <laughs> he's done it for me as well. He's an awesome yeah. guy. 
<laughs> he's like, I love this game. And I go, dude, I'm not interested in okay, getting it. Let, and he goes, I'll just buy explain. it for you. <laughs> let me explain. I hope he does hear this as well. He's not going to hear it. He doesn't listen to anything apart from um, his own stuff. That once uh, I, I was, uh, I think I was off work, um, as in like, you know, I wasn't working. So I wasn't looking to spend much money at all. And Left 4 Dead just came out. And he was so psyched about this game. He wanted to get everyone to play it. And, you know, and he, he bought the game for me. But rather than just be, okay, here's the game. And, and you know, and he surprised me with it. Um, he actually went to the effort of getting a box and then buying a Barbie doll. I don't know if it was technically a Barbie or like a cheap knockoff, but it was a Barbie in a sense. Yeah. Painted it green. <laughs> put like red markers. I basically made a zombie Barbie, put it on top of the box and put like all this like paper underneath it. Like it looks awesome. And then underneath the zombie Barbie in the box was the game. And he gave that to me. And he said, and I, I don't know if this is true or not, he said that he was sitting there at work doing this. And people were like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's sitting there, like, totally cutting up that. a Barbie and painting a Barbie. Oh, man. He's, like, an extremely creative, bizarro guy. That oh, that's love. amazing. He's a very really funny guy. Very, very funny guy. That, that's awesome. He's, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's got a lot of crazy ideas that are funny. The amount of competitions he's entered and won, like, if it's based on creativity, it's, like, insane. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, in terms of uh, this, I ended up not getting it. I really wanted it. I'm, like, so disappointed that it didn't have a cart. I get that it probably would have added another 10 bucks to it, but honestly, if they said it was, like, $100 and it had the cart in it, I probably would have bought it. But alas, it's not the case. I'm going to be like bummed out when I see people having it. But I think but I then, right you know, But then you also would have been annoyed because then you have to swap the cart back and forth. And then you would have been like, I'm just going to buy digitally anyway. <laughs> no, I told you my theory about that. That like single player games, I'm, I always prefer to buy the cart. But it's the online games that you need to jump in and out okay. of. You know, cool. and, and probably Animal Crossing is the one exception there as well. That I feel like you should have that digitally. Rather than, you know, the cart version. So, yeah. Alas. But it's such a cool thing that they did. I'm so glad that they did it. And I kind of hope that there's some more announcements along Fire Emblem. But I doubt it. I think there's a pretty big one. And we probably won't hear any more about Fire Emblem until they announce the the next game, really. All right. Well, let's get into, uh, you know, a very hot platform that everyone's talking about. So, Stadia. Pac-Man. Pac-Man is coming back. From 1980s. He's back. Uh, he's back. <laughs> Guess who's back? Pac-Man's back. Um, and getting a, what What do you call it? A Battle Royale? No way. Couldn't imagine. <laughs> so a 64-player version of Pac-Man called Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle is coming out. And everyone's excited about it because it's coming out on Stadia. <laughs> so this going to out on... on first on yeah, Stadia. First I mean, on they Stadia. haven't said anything else, but they've been clear to say first on Stadia because we know that it's going to be coming to other platforms. Probably what not I love about it is, <laughs> I feel like we're burying the whole lady of it. Like, so it's coming out on November 17th. I feel like this is like this weird thing where it's like, hey, cool, Pac-Man is on Stadia. This is a way for them to test the game because they can follow the one single game that would be going on on Pac-Man. <laughs> like this, and- how the hell would there be more than one single game going on? How many people would be on Stadia at any moment in time? I know. And the thing is, they're like, okay, it's a limited time demo. It's available in for, uh, probably just one more day after the time this goes up. But it's like, okay, click here to play it and you play it in your browser. It's like, no, nah, can't because we 
it's not available in our region. It's like it'd be nice <laughs> just to be able to just try it, you know. But um, honestly, this trailer was really cool. Um, this game actually looks this looks way more fun to me than Mario Thirty Five or Tetris Ninety Nine. And I know I'm alone on Tetris Ninety Nine front, but um, yeah, to me, this actually looks like a really cool implementation of it. Yeah, and you know, I've always said that I think that this is the way to do this stuff. Like, like take these kind of titles and blow them out into this kind of stuff. It's just, I don't know, Stadia doesn't make sense to me in the sense that, you know, Xbox, you can get away with saying, hey, we're progressively rolling out xCloud across the world because xCloud's not the main game, right? But with Stadia, like, you're introducing something in a global environment. So people talk about this Pac-Man mega tunnel battle. Great, I'm going to click on it. Oh, no, I can't use it because Stadia's not available in my region. And well, to be also, honest, when that stuff happens, I just go, I'm just over Stadium. I'm a Stadia. I just don't even yeah. give a, a shit about it. Well, it's also $20 US. So it's not oh, like... It's crazy. The, <laughs> so the barrier to entry is super high. Not only do is it a Stadia game, not only is it a Stadia <laughs> multiplayer game, but it's a pretty substantially priced game for what you'd think. Now, I'm not saying this should have been a free game, but $20 US, which what is like... 30 bucks, 35 yeah. bucks here, or whatever it is. It is about 30 bucks here, yeah. That's that's pretty pricey for something that you Dude, don't know if you're actually going to like. It's insane. Um, it's insane. And the fact that I've given a demo is, is at least good, but, I mean, to me, this makes sense to be, like, you know, free to play with stuff that, you know, that you can purchase and cosmetics and stuff. This is would be the perfect game to do that model. And you need a player base for this game. This isn't like a game where, oh, well... Correct. If there's players or not players, it's okay. I can still play it and still have fun. It's just maybe not as populated online as I want. You need those people. Um, but about the actual game itself, so you can like invade other players' areas, it seems, um, and they all and have to defend yourself. It just looks really cool, like the way they've connected all the maps. It's like one giant, um, you know, maze, but then all connected in the different exits and stuff. Um, and mm. there's a few different modes. Apparently, the spectators can impact the the game for the remaining plays with power-ups. Um, I wonder how that is. I hope it's closer to something like Bomberman as opposed to something like Mario, but uh, Mario 35. But I'm sure it's closer to Mario 35. Um, mm. But, yeah, it's, it's such a cool idea. The trailers are really, really good. Um, this could, I think, be a big hit if it was on anything else. Um and things like, like Stadia does need to try things, right? If they want to save the platform from the current death path. But it this is, seems like, the, I don't know if this game is going to move the needle in any way um, until it hits another platform. Yeah, you look, know? you know how, <clears throat> maybe too much, but I love the business side of gaming. And... This just doesn't make any sense to me, what they're doing here. Like, you know, I should be able to see YouTube clips and, like, hey, it gets me to jump into Stadia. Like, <clears throat> the way that they've organized it makes no sense. It's You know what yeah, I mean? It's just, like, there's so many barriers to join Stadia. And I think, like, if you're going to launch something like that, surely you just launch it worldwide. Like, get it ready in beta and then launch it worldwide. Like, they're burning so much marketing capital on these releases. And there's so many regions that you can't get it that you just turned off on it. 
And it just and creates the negative buzz around it. What was that? So Super Bomberman R Online was the yeah. Stadia one. And was that, yeah, that had, was that also kind of, yeah, that was a Battle Royale as well. And Yeah, exactly the same, have, 64 have we heard? Have we heard anything about that game? Nothing. Since, yeah. <laughs> it's out. And people actually said it's really good. I'm sure it <laughs> like, is. It's just like, there's so many barriers of entry. It just doesn't make sense, you know? Like, for me, I think the way that Nintendo done it has done it and other platforms, like, if you actually think about it, every single platform has structured up something where it's like, you pay me something, some nominal amount, five bucks a month or whatever, and I'll give you some free stuff to get you in. And they've often gone down the route of these multiplayer games because they're very, like, have a high engagement loop, right? So with Nintendo, you've got... Mario 35, that's going to go away, but Tetris 99 still there, and it seems like an, almost a permanent feature now. You've had stuff like Fall Guys on PS4, you know, Xbox, obviously, with Game Pass, there's so many things coming and going in that space. So for me, it's like, from a business sense, it makes no sense. Like, do the deal with whoever you need to, but get, like, the Pac-Man Mega Tunnel and Super Bomberman R as a, hey, you're paying five bucks for your subscription to Stadia. They They just come with it? You know what I mean? And then it's like, you kind of go, oh, you know, maybe like I'll like fire that up and play that a bit. That sounds kind of fun. Get a free one month trial or something like that. But Do we do we 100% know that's not the case? Because I know they've it's said not. it's priced. It's because it's you have, Like the stupid thing about Stadia, it's like free or it's going to be free and then you have to buy the games extra. No, no. So or have there's also pro membership. So you're yeah, also that's paying for that and then still buying games. No, but there's also, there is a library of games that you do get access to. It's a small library, but that's why I'm wondering, <laughs> do we 100% know that is, it is, is not uh, in that library? Bomberman uh, online in that library? Or is that the question? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. It's more like, we know that it's priced, but I just don't know 100% if it's in there. But honestly, I don't even really care, but I'm just like, I just, I've heard that there is... Like as part okay, of I think it is. Membership. I think it is. I think it is in there. Okay. okay. Yeah, it is. It is because I just checked Stadia Pro. Now, uh, if you sign up, do you still get it? And, and no joke, I just jumped on the Stadia website, so just like stadia.google.com, and there's like broken images on the site. <laughs> like, how's that possible? How is how is it possible? And also, I, I know I'm being like an asshole in this episode. But the the height of the images is not even. How like how do they, how do they stuff these kind of things up? Like to me, this just doesn't look like people who care about a platform. Like literally, dude, they've got the height of these images, and there's some of them are different. Some of them are taller than others. But like, how, how does that happen? Google, but Google has a history of supporting all their projects, you know, and never <laughs> killing well. anything off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and <laughs> never killing anything off. Well, <laughs> So yeah, you're right. This probably sounds like it will go back in part of the subscription, but the subscription's not like of the level of, um, you know, like you know the other comparable ones. It's like nine ninety nine a month US for Stadia yeah. Pro. Like that's a it's, lot of money, man. This whole Stadia thing. So <laughs> it's so it's dopey. such a it's such a shame because. I actually, there's there's a lot, when they first, um, and I don't know what they have and haven't implemented yet out of their original, um, like, feature sets they talked about, but I do remember when they first announced that there was some cool stuff, and you're like, hey, they're approaching this in a way that, you know, initially it's like, it didn't not make sense, if that makes 
you know, like it didn't, I didn't go, this is stupid. I go, huh, this is interesting. There's some stuff I like, some stuff I'm not sure about. But then just they've made so many questionable decisions. Um, And the fact that they didn't, they launched out of the gate, you know, I guess like an, you know, almost like a beta period um, with less than probably half the features that they they said was going to be with it. Um, Just, I think, killed everyone's interest in everything. And the fact that, yeah, it's not available in the majority of the world probably at this point. But And I, I think that that is such a foolish way to do it in the modern era. I think you could get away with that even five years ago, but I don't think you can now because the whole regions thing, people don't really care anymore. They just kind of assume everything's available worldwide in the Western world. I should probably point out, like, I don't think people are assuming it's going to be available in Africa, but in the Western world, if you have like a decent internet infrastructure, which are, you know, questionable for Australia, but you know, like you shouldn't just go, Oh, I have to check a list to see if I'm, it's available here. If this is your main offering. And ultimately, what I don't understand about Stadia is Google kind of built everything that they do around being free. You know, Gmail, Google search. And yet, like, they released this platform and it's like, it's all about like, uh, you know, pay $10 US a month to get Stadia Pro and all this other kind of stuff. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me in a way, like the way that they've Mm -hmm. built it. Like, you think you'd build it more around advertising or, you know, other methods of trying to monetize it, which is what they've always done. So, look, I, I think, you know, we'll be calling last drinks on Stadia next year. I just can't see them holding this platform up. Like, Google more than happy to kill things. Um, and it's a shame in the sense that I actually think where this makes way more sense is if they did a deal with, like, Nintendo and oh, you yeah. know, basically had like Nintendo Itch. Stadia. Oh, sorry, you thought I thought you were talking about Pac-Man and Nintendo. Oh no, no, no! I'm talking about Stadia as a platform. I think, like, oh, from a technology okay. point of view, okay. it's like exactly what Nintendo can't do. You know, all that space. So, to me, there's like a really interesting marriage there. Like, if you could get Stadia native on the Switch and then have for you know AAA games playing on the Switch. Like that's that's super smart to me. Like super, super, super smart. Uh, but yeah, Stadia by itself doesn't make any sense. But yeah, going back to Pac-Man, hundred percent. Imagine Pac-Man on the Switch, like because it's kind of, kind of tapping into those retro players as well. So I think that that's where it would be at. But yeah, do you think uh, this will be success for Stadia? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. All right, let, let's get into some smaller news uh, and more frustrated consumers. So uh, this week, and it was as discovered by the Australian outlet, uh, Survivor, and I've got something to say about that, hopefully not too controversial. Um, but yeah, they discovered that there were unskippable ads inserted into NBA 2K21. Now, this has actually happened a few times even recently. We had this uh, with EA's game UFC 4, um, and essentially, you know, they, they they tested, Survivor tested on this on PC, Xbox, PS4, and it's basically nothing to do with the load time. So, you know, you could always make the argument, hey, the game's loading, they're showing you an ad, that's like the NBA, watching it on TV, what's the difference? But yeah, they were able to work out that, no, this is actually, um, you know, just forcing you to watch this ad and there's no seemingly way to skip it. Now, uh 2K have actually come out to say, hey, you know, this was a mistake. 
<laughs> and I'm just doing some air quotes here. This is a mistake. Uh, and they're going to roll it back. So I, there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to get into this, but um, does this surprise you, Swinny? What a load of shit that <laughs> statement from 2K is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It is the biggest load of crap. Like, just, I, that pisses me off way more than anything about these unskippable ads. It's just the the absolute bold-faced lie about this. Nothing about this would have been a mistake. Like, this, does, that stuff doesn't get into a game. impossible to have a mistake like this. Exactly. It does not get into a game that level. And it kind of also pisses me <laughs> off that they've used Galvanized by the Chemical Brothers in that ad for Oculus Quest 2 because I really yeah. like that song. Oh, but okay. <laughs> it's, man, I that statement just, honestly, like, I don't buy games from 2K anyway. That makes me never want to buy a game from that publisher, ever. So, like, and this, this is what I wanted to get into, right? Like, this is becoming a huge thing in gaming where, you know, they launch the game and Crash Team Racing is probably the biggest example of this that I can think of, where they launch the game they actually came out and pretty much said the game is as is and the game didn't have microtransactions. It wasn't even like really necessarily geared for microtransactions the way it was built. And it got really rave reviews. And then one month after they added microtransactions into Crash Team Racing and it became like a core part of the game. And people were filthy about this. And rightly so, I think. But ultimately, you know, and why I want to raise this is a couple of reasons. One is... I just feel like, you know, personally what I do and, you know, maybe people feel like they can't do this, but I just don't buy these games. Like, I don't trust them. I don't trust them, man. And like any sports game, unfortunately, I just don't buy them as much as I would actually be the kind of person that would buy them. I don't because the FIFAs of the world, all that stuff, it's so overloaded in microtransactions that just takes so much away from the game. Man, and I wish I we had Mikey, people, for Mikey to kind of, you know, blast them about bloody loot boxes and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I challenge people to go back and play some of the games like that were released on like Xbox and PlayStation 2 when they didn't really have the infrastructure to do all these microtransactions. You go play those games, like you earn the extra characters, you earn the, you know, the outfits and the jerseys and the shoes and all this other kind of stuff. Like... And you go back and play those games and you enjoy them more, you know, like it, and for me, like, I don't think there's much you can do about it because people who are now like review bombing these games, it's, it kind of doesn't matter. Like they've already sold 80% of the inventory that they're going to sell anyway, because they, they do this kind of stuff after the fact. So you've kind of already missed the window. Um, yeah, so look, like, you know, this is just going to keep happening in gaming. They're just going to keep pushing the envelope. And it's going to be even funnier when it comes to the PS5 and Series X because it's going to have, like, super zippy load times. And then it's going to be like, well, wait a second. How does this make sense? How are they... Just, how's it so slow? But why... Look, I don't work in PR, right? I don't like having anything to do with PR, even though I'm kind of, you know, in an associated field. I just just making such a, a, a that statement. I mean, just it's not that you have to own up to it, but you know, just admit, say that there was something that you know that we've introduced to make even saying something like to make it more uh, like 
closer to the presentation than the sports show because we know sports is full of ads, right? You could yeah. get away with a carefully worded thing like that and people aren't going to call you out for lying. People aren't going to like it and it doesn't change the fact that you've added something post-launch, but at least you haven't just lied about it. You haven't just <laughs> bold-faced lied about it. Um, man, like... But the thing is that there's there's the mega fans in these franchises like FIFA and, and I know NBA 2K, they have mega fans, right? And they need to lie like this in these kind of disclosures because those mega fans go, no, they didn't mean to do it. You saw what they said. They didn't mean it wasn't meant to be like that. And, you know, it's just BS. Those, it's, of course those people, it's BS. Those people are morons, eh? <laughs> maybe, maybe. And the other reason why I wanted to raise this was because um, it, the story was broke by an Australian outlet. So, uh, com, which is an Australian video game website. And I've got to say this really carefully. Um, so the guy who runs that, Steve Wright, he, he went crazy because there's a, there's a bigger Twitter, um, player. I think it was like Okami, Okami 13, something like that, who, or Omni 13, maybe who, um, quote unquote, broke the story. But what the person actually did was they took Survivor story and video and they edited their video, cutting out the intro that said Survivor. So they've like manipulated it and then published it and going, look what 2K's done. This is total BS, right? So, you know, they've basically stolen the story. Yeah. Yeah. Because they haven't credited Survivor at all. And they've said this. And then all the websites like Eurogamer, IGN and everything started to quote the Omni 13 person who's like, who is bigger, like got more followers and everything like that. Right. And this Steve Wright guy went crazy. Like you could follow the Twitter threads. He was like blasting this guy, like insanely. This guy stole my story. <laughs> anyway, the only reason why I kind of brought that up is because the thing is back in the day when um, there's another Australian outlet, Press Start, they broke a story that, um, Xbox or Microsoft have confirmed that they are not producing any more Xbox One Xs. So they were the first ones in the world to confirm that with Microsoft, right? Like I say, so back they published in the day, that. that was like within the last 12 months. Yeah, I think it was like five months ago. <laughs> you say um, back in the day, it's like 10 years ago or something. <laughs> I'm just trying to be a bit lenient to Survivor. So, you know, they did this. And then, you know, outlets like, you know, most of the outlets said, hey, look, press start, you know, broken the story. Survivor did not mention press start at all when they met, when they run that story like they spoke about it almost as if they found it out themselves and i remember like you know i was like so dirty about that because i'm like dude like this is an australian like we're a tiny little country if you break a story it's like okay give the give the the credit you know if we broke a story right i'm not gonna go nuts about it but if we found the story and then you know i get it that you know international players might just steal it right but if you're also an Australian and you're not like crediting people, I just think that's like really filthy, man. The so thing just, with this yeah. story, sorry, the thing with this story though, it's it's not like everyone would have realized very quickly that it's playing yes. the game. Yes. So it's not it's like not some investigative big scoop, scoop or anything. <laughs> like everyone would be like, what is going on? You know? I think, I think the biggest thing was the content stealing. It was that yeah. Like he'd recorded because he's actually you can I know I know where you can see it you can actually see Survivor which is his Xbox handle, um it's actually in the video at one point you can see it it's subtle but so I think that's the part like if you're stealing someone's video 
and then kind of po- pushing it up and not crediting. I think that's wrong. And you know what we do with the podcast when we publish on YouTube, you know, outside of trailers and things like that, I don't think you need to credit that. You know, if someone's video, we'll put the source of where that video came from. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was funny. And supposedly, like, it was a tip-off from a reader anyway. So it wasn't even like they found it out. It's just someone tipped them off to it. <laughs> and the last thing is, it just, like, makes me laugh because it's Oculus Quest 2, which, you know, we haven't put that into one of our news articles but or news items, but... Now, like, if you delete your Facebook account, it deletes all your this. Oculus games. I read this. That is, <laughs> that's rough. Now, I understand, oh, it deletes you, like, your cheating stuff because that stuff is tied to accounts. But uh, I guess, look, technically, look, technically, if I delete my Xbox account, I've lost my digital library when I think about it. But the stuff installed on the machine would stay there, but I might not be able to play it. So, but you know technically, what the difference is, it might not be the same. Microsoft and Xbox don't force you to put your real name publicly out there and your information, like your date of birth and things like that, right? And stored on a system. But that's what Facebook does. You can't put a fake name into Facebook anymore. They'll, they actually uh, ban your account if you do that. Hmm. So that's a huge difference, man. Like there's people who are very sensitive about their privacy for like lots of good reasons. You know, and if I jump on PS4 or whatever... I can create a profile, have nothing on- online really about who I am, and it's all private, right? Whereas you can't do that on uh, on Facebook. So I just think that kind of stuff is BS. There's also heaps of stories now of people buying the Oculus Quest Two, then they linked it because they're brand new buyers, so they don't already have an Oculus account. So it means you have to have a Facebook account. So they linked it to a Facebook account, and then they've been banned on Facebook. For whatever reason. So then they can't use the Oculus. And Wait, they've always... Oh, they've, they've, oh so they got fate banned for some other reason. Can't they just create a new account on Oculus? No. <laughs> no, you have to have a Facebook account. No, it's in... Oh, but they... Because then they can't create another account because they're already banned. It says... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then they tried to refund it, like send the Oculus back and it's been refused. Just, look, you know, a good mate of mine actually just bought the Quest 2 and he loves it. Like, and a lot of people say it's really good, but I don't know why I'm going to be really like such an a-hole about this, but I just can never buy the Oculus now with the whole Facebook thing. It's just, they're just going deeper and deeper on this stuff. And I just don't like Zuckerberg and I don't trust that guy. And yeah, I just will never buy any Oculus, man. So VR is kind of off the table for me, I think, because unless PSVR 2 is any good, yeah. we'll see how that I goes. don't. I don't trust Androids either. So. You don't trust what? Oh, Androids, Android. exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Out of anyone in human history, he's the most Android-looking person in, I've ever seen. He said there is a mad clip of him saying, like, you know, back when I was human. And he goes, oh, I, I'm still a human. Literally, you can see it, he's talking to kids and they're, like, bawling, like, in laughter. Like, he, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was along the lines of, you know, when I was a human, well, you know, I am a human still. <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, that's kind of scary. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's, let's get into, uh, you know, something that's not about uh, ads or forcing things down your throat. <laughs> well, hopefully not. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where the, the segue was. <laughs> so uh, this week, we also had a very surprise Smash update. Now, when I, you know, they've never actually done, from my recollection, uh so, you know, they've got like 1.0.0, 0, 0, 
they've always done updates like 1.1, 1.2, or like 2.1 if it's like a new character or like a huge change. This is the first time I've seen it where they've actually done patch 9.0.1. So as soon as we heard that, it was like, okay, it must be a lot of the glitches that are happening with Steve. And fundamentally it was, but <laughs> do you want to cover the one one correction? Like, I guess correction? Like you could call it like that? Yes. <laughs> Editorial? <laughs> so Steve, and I, I assume it's all of them, but let's just say Steve because you can play as different skins uh, like Alex, Enderman, uh, Zombie. Um, but basically Steve's victory animation has him eating uh, like a piece of steak that's straight out of Minecraft, the sound effects. But afterwards, he would then just, like, put his hand down and the stake would still be there. And unfortunately, Which is exactly the way it works in Minecraft. If, you, if you've got more in the stack, yeah. yeah. Like if you, so yeah. all I'm saying is the animation isn't, like, Sakurai doing something different. Like, it's literally almost yeah. copied the, oh, it's, the game yeah, exactly. It's very, very accurate. But unfortunately, yeah. because of the angle that Steve is on and the fact that it cuts it off around his <laughs> midsection... The meat <laughs> looked very phallic, very, <laughs> very phallic. And honestly, I never noticed it, but then also never really saw many Steve Victory screens either. Um, oh, look at, the, look at the humble brag there. <laughs> I love the humble brag. Didn't really see many Steve <laughs> Victory animations. Uh, Normally bile. No, no, not really. Um, and <laughs> like, man, when you see the... <laughs> photos of this thing it's bad it's so bad and i just love that whole story about uh kataku interviewing uh, phil spencer yeah and, uh saying oh have you have you seen steve's you know victory screen and showing him an image uh, in like the zoom chat or whatever they're doing it and he's like who did that as in i think like assuming it was almost like a photoshop and he said no yeah. it's a screen game and and i don't i would have loved to know the tone of this if it was like he was laughing about it or not but basically saying i assume that will be fixed and that interview actually happened um in the week prior to the patch coming out uh, which was essentially this week so i wonder i obviously the the internet itself kind of blew up a bit about it Uh, not blew up but you know there was a bit of a thing about it i wonder if Phil Spencer also seeing it just made that a hundred percent certainty that that got removed. So no longer I, I does like an eighty Steve... percent chance it was because yeah. of that. So what happens now is the Steve still eats the meat. Apparently, I haven't seen it since the post patch, but I think the video I've seen and the meat just disappears. So Steve, <laughs> they patched out Steve's meat. This is one of the best patch meat things ever. I love it. I, it's and I I know that we I shared um, a screenshot to one of our friends, and it's like, oh, best patch ever. And he's like, oh, I don't get it. <laughs> and then it's like, then it clicked with him. It's like, oh, okay, okay. But but, but even uh, with that, I don't think it's that bad. Like, it's I, pretty I, bad. Know. Like oh, when yeah, you, when you notice it, when you notice it, when you notice it, yeah. I think like yeah. you, you don't see straight away. I don't know. I never really thought it was a big deal. Like I can see what everyone's saying, but I'm like, meh. It, it's like <laughs> meat. Like you know, come on, get your mind out of the gutter. But at the same time, it's Nintendo. Like I obviously understand why they've removed it. And I do think it's like 80% chance it's Phil Spencer's reaction. He probably flicked a note to one of his lieutenants in charge of like, you know, IP and managing that. Hey, get on this. This is not right. This is like that, uh, was it Lion King, the word sex in the clouds kind of thing. Just one of those 
unfortunate well, you know, things that happens, you know. But you know what? Or, that what was, is it? Right? Mario. It was like Mario Galaxy, isn't it? Like you are Mister Gay or something like that. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which yeah, is no, how about Mario sixty four? So long, gay bowels. Oh. Yeah, but that you are Mister Gay thing is just so freaky. Like, do you know what that was? No, can I just address the Lion King thing first? Okay. Now, I, I might be wrong. So, I, you know, the problem with the internet is it's so easy to check these things if you're wrong or right. Yeah, My yeah, understanding yeah. of that before checking it is that it was actually meant to spell out um, SFX, like special effects. But the uh, F looks yeah. like an E. That's my understanding. Okay. I'll, I'll but, check um, that. But what, what's the Galaxy one? I, I didn't hear so, that. So, um, if you... <laughs> basically, Murray Galaxy's logo has um let me just bring it up so it has like stars on it uh, like little twinkling stars sorry i'm just typing as i'm saying this and every single um star lines up with the letters that spell out you are mr gay (laughs) what yeah i'm just finding an image of it um yeah so it's i found something here we go Oh, and I've just checked on Snopes, which I do trust for fact-checking. It, it was confirmed by one of the animators that they were trying to spell out SFX as a joke oh, there you go. to the there special effects team. But it is very unfortunate because if you look yeah. at it, I can totally see people seeing the SEX. So I've just linked you a photo so you can see each letter that has that twinkle on it just happens to spell <laughs> you are Mr. Gay. I've never seen this before. This is oh, awesome. Oh, really? <laughs> This is so cool. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it takes a special mind to be able to pick up on these things. <laughs> uh, and and just saying with the patch, just going put to, back to the patch quickly. So it's actually not fixed a lot of the problems. And there's like new problems it's introduced. This, this Steve character has caused so many glitches in the game. Like just watching all the pro players talk about it and finding more glitches. Like, there's characters that now can't even jump up to platforms they used to be able to jump up to. It's like, it's really crazy what's happened to the game because of this character. <laughs> Who, by the way, I love. I don't know why people hate this character. It's bizarre to me. It's like, I, you're kidding me. I, this is one of the I, best characters they've introduced. I like the character, but I hate fighting against him. I don't know why. Yeah. It's just just something about the character just is, is so inherently trolly, even without the moves. Just yes. It will like run away. It'll knock you away, and it'll start mining. And you're like, "Oh, you bastard!" You just like get pissed off at everything they do, and I don't know why. And it almost feels like you're playing against the CPU all the time, but you're not. You know, in well, <laughs> you obviously you can, but like, I'm not. I'm playing against actual people, and I'm like, I don't know why I hate fighting Steve so much. Anyway, yeah. So like, I uh, I've been tempted to try to start learning how to play as Steve because Please what don't. I do like about Steve is that. It's so gimmicky. Like, everything's such a gimmick. It's just so, like, trolly. Just, like, all the moves have got, like, some kind of weird troll element to them. Um, but it's just, like, to to me, one thing about Steve, it's just so much work, you know? It's, like, very hard to get your head around everything you're meant to do. So, and the recovery is actually crazy. I don't know if they're going to patch it out, but using the minecarts mine and everything, you can recover from pretty much anywhere, on like, off stage. Hmm. So... And just the last thing, you know the whole Phil Spencer thing? Yeah. Twinny? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that um, he's actually <laughs> been in so many... I didn't so know many... you expect your response on that one. Oh, I didn't know if you were there for a second. I thought he might have like died on your end. Um, 
that he's been in so many interviews recently and I really wanted to cover one interview with uh, my favorite website or one of my favorite websites, Stratechery. So they're, you know, obviously it's like a business thing, but um, this guy, Ben, he covers strategy as it pertains to technology. So it takes a very business analysis view, but it's in tech. And he interviewed Phil Spencer this week. But the only reason why I don't think we should cover it is just because it's a paywall, the interview. But in that interview, Phil Spencer covered that they're talking about having like a dongle for xCloud, which I think is such a cool idea. Like you can imagine just like Xbox dongle or something. Um, and, you know, for that to like just be out there and, you know, you could just plug it in and, effectively be playing the AAA games. I think that'd be pretty amazing. Yeah, and he also said that they may in the future look at potentially um, like another higher tier of Game Pass as well. Yeah, Platinum. Yeah, so... And I was so close to getting Game Pass the other day, and then it put me (laughs) off it, this whole Platinum thing. Ah, A leaf could fall from a tree and would put you off Game Pass. Like, that's how... Ultimately, you know, like, it's like the Fire Emblem thing. I like to have the game. I like to have, quote-unquote, ownership of the game. So it just bothers me. I don't know. Just, you know, I was looking at it. I'm like, oh, Dead Cells on it. Okay, I really, really want to play Dead Cells. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, but then it could just go off it. It could be like, hey, next month Dead Cells is going. It's like, oh, now it's like I feel like I'm forced to play it. It's like, I don't like that. Hey, you're the one that said, hey, limited time things are fine, you know. (laughs) <laughs> true but that's different i could buy it in that period no, of time. i know i know i know <laughs> well all, actually, I, know, all just... I know is that i've there's a lot of games i would have bought um otherwise that i've played on there so oh, and i think it's perfect for you i think it's absolutely perfect for you um and, and getting into uh physical versions of games so this week uh we found out control our ultimate edition is uh you know, dated, coming out, and we got more information about it. And we found out that there's a difference between the Xbox version and the PS4 version. Now, I actually love these, like, you know, for me, this is just game of the year. Like, game of the year is my generic term for these things, which is it's got all the base stuff, it's got all the DLC, all the fixes, all the patches, it's on a disc. So it's like, cool, I know I have that disc. I've got a bunch of them for, like, Xbox 360. It's like... That's the disc. That's got the best version of it. I don't need to download anything. I don't need to muck around. Of course, because it's like, it's already out. Everything's already out. You just play it, right? And then they announced this week that for the Xbox version, and only the Xbox version, they couldn't fit everything onto the disc. So you actually have to download stuff. Like, and have the disc. I'm like, so that's not the case for PS4, but I I just look at it, I'm like, this makes no sense to me. Like, the whole point of these things, these discs are... You have it, so then you can actually... It's like a token. Like, hey, this is the definitive way to play this, and I can jump on it at any time. I just... I like, to me, I just wanted to bring this up because everything around Control, it's like such a game that I want to play, but everything they've done has actually turned me off playing the game. Like, whether it's like, oh, you have to have the Ultimate Edition to be able to play it on the next gen, or just the way that they've like handled the whole game. It's just really stupid. Like, I, I actually feel bad for Remedy. Yeah, I think this is a complete non-issue. Um, the reason, <laughs> of course you do. The reason being, I know, and what you're saying is 100% like, fine. I'm not, I'm not disputing any of that. The reason I think it's a non-issue is that this is a specific version of this game, right? 
it's the it's the ultimate edition, right? So not only is it just a specific version of the game, but it's also you know not the most like it's not a a game that's selling like fifteen million copies or anything, right? The other reason is that the pretty much these days you have to connect at least once anyway to download the patch that you need because all these games are broken at launch in some way. Yeah, no, no, but this is not the this is not the launch game. I get I accept that now. That the launch game it's gonna have patches. This is not the launch game, dude. But every game pretty much these days will allow you, make you force you to download something, even if it's launch or not. You know, yeah. it's yeah, hey, no I've played man. this gen than you and it's common, man. It is common. And no, not not for a game of the year edition. Like Forza That's not when, common, dude. With with Forza and the start of this gen that happened, it happened with Tony Hawk Pro Skater Five. Like, there's heaps of games that don't give no, you everything for Game of the Year editions. For Game of the Year editions, they don't do it. Uh yes, it's uh, Dragon Age. Uh, Dragon Age Two did it on 360. So it didn't give you all the content. It gave you download codes for all the DLC in there. So same thing. You needed to have an internet connection for that. You know, this is not a new thing. Now it sucks. But it's not a new thing. That's why I think it's a non-issue because I don't like it. But I think it's just people wanting to pick on this game more. Like it sucks, but no. really, it's just it's this like with unfortunately uh, it. The thing I don't like is well, and what I don't know about this is have they made it very clear when you purchase um, retail or whatever that that's the case, and I, that needs to be upfront and said. It needs to be sticker on the box saying requires an internet connection, right? That That is the thing to me, because if you've got people, let's say, um, that are, you know, in the military and stuff that purchase games that don't have internet access, it screws them, those, those people in those situations or live in, you know, in the countryside that, that don't have a constant internet connection and things. But we're this far into this now that I see it as non-issue because it's just happened so much. It has just happened so much that oh, I just... Total BS. I, the the whole thing about the upgrade stuff, I think, is fair. Like that was all bullcrap. Um, this, I think, is just just people wanting to just pick on this game more. I really do. Well, I, I can tell you this, dude. You know who I am. Like, I'm not I'm not inclined to pick on anything. I don't have any interest in that. That's boring to me, right? And, and I'll give them credit for the PS4 version. Doesn't say anything about internet for the xbox version it says requires internet and even on eb games website it actually has you know you need to have the internet to be able to you know basically get the full game so you know that's the right thing to do that's a minimum i'm not trying to pick on this game like i actually i've I've said this before on the podcast like i'm super interested in playing this game i just find the way they're managing everything around it it's just so unnecessary it's like they're lying they're saying stuff like Oh, they can't upgrade people. It's just impossible. And then they accidentally upgraded everyone. So proving that they can do it. They just don't oh, yeah. want to do it. That part like, of it, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, that, that, I'm separating that part of it. Like, it's this specific thing that I'm talking about. Oh, but this thing, there's zero chance they, they can't get it onto the disc. Zero chance, man. Like, it's just they don't want to. They don't want to put the effort in to make it happen. And I think when you create a Game of the Year edition, the base level thing you're going into is thinking it's got everything why do i need to update anything if it's the game of the year edition like they're not updating this game like you know what are you doing like it's just lazy to me it's completely lazy and it really puts me off the game which sucks because i'm super looking forward to this game 
And I feel bad for Remedy. Because it seems like 505, who's the publisher, is like doing all of these things just in such a bizarre way. Like, I really don't get it. I really don't get it. But yeah, yeah. Like hopefully this is the last we hear about negative things about Control. Because it's, it's kind of like a weird game where it didn't sell well at all. And was like such a critical darling. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a funny journey this game's been on, to be honest. Well, I'll just say that if people don't like this, they better get used to it because it's only going to get worse with the game sizes the game increasing. Well, just in general with game sizes ballooning. And I know they're talking about they've got better ways to do that stuff. It doesn't matter. Like that stuff is going to become more commonplace than ever before next gen. Um, yeah, so we, we're 100% on the same page as that. Like... There's an opportunity to make things smaller, but you've already seen it with Moz, Morales, <laughs> I had to pause there, um, and other games that they've been publishing their, the size of the games, and it's pretty comparable. And I don't feel like they've really, you know, gone to that next level yet on what the games can do in the next gen. So I, I totally agree with you. I think game sizes are going to get even bigger. And, you know, like if it's legit, like, hey, this game is like a 150 gigabyte game, like we're never going to be able to fit it on the discs. Okay. But it's marginal. Like, they can fit it on PS4, but they can't fit it on Xbox. It's just trash. Just uh, Anyway, I, I want to move past it because it really annoys me. Because it's unfortunate because I really want to play this game. But it's just all this crap around it. It's just annoying me. So, all right, let, let's get into a completely different topic and a much sunnier and brighter topic and one that you will definitely take away. Yeah, so um, uh a number of weeks ago, actually, um, we talked about um, that there's been some teasers for the next big update for Stardew Valley, um, the 1.5 update. So yeah. just a just another small bit of news that um, it'll introduce split screen a split screen co-op, which is fantastic. Um, I've never got a chance to try co-op in you know on you know the non split screen version but uh it's i think this is such a great move um and apparently the pc version will allow it up to four i'm not sure about the other platforms at the moment it possibly may be limited to but there's been nothing official about that um it may just be some just musings from from outlets about that but um it's yeah so concerned ape the the developer that works on it a great guy's been working teasing images um this cool video out there of him playing um, the one of the songs from the game on guitar. Really talented dude, obviously. Um, and he's actually apparently working on a couple of other projects at the same time. Mm. Um, which it be interesting. I mean, I don't know how, like, I've, I've never been involved in game development, but I can just imagine that it's such a huge undertaking. And to also be working on stuff simultaneously, and man, like, I don't know how the, how he does it. It's just crazy to me. Um, but going back to the split screen co-op, I think this is just absolutely going to be fantastic for couples um, because the idea of how you can sit there, um, you know, in the lounge room, you know, have you switch docked in and playing split screen co-op in Stardew, is just really, really cool. It's the perfect kind of game for it. Um, it's a game that, you know, you can easily... Uh, modify the UI to make it work. I, I just think this is such a cool introduction. And I mean, I can't remember how old this game is at this point, but the fact that it's still supporting it and these are free updates, these aren't paid updates, is just such a huge credit. Uh, to yeah, it was like 2016. And I mean, like, it's a, it's a, it's a very good contrast 
to everything we've been almost talking about in the whole episode of like stuff happening, which is like kind of dodgy on the publisher side or dodgy business practices or at least business practices that a lot of people don't agree with. So this game out, this game came out like Feb 2016. So it's almost like five years now. Um, and it doesn't make me laugh because the guy, Eric Barone, like concerned ape, uh, is his online handle. His whole story was, um, in blood, sweat and pixels. Very, very good. Like if you're going to read one video game book, it's definitely that one. Um, by uh, Jason Schreier, the former Kotaku uh, writer now with Bloomberg. You know, it, it's like really fascinating to hear how he developed this game. It was like uh, like eight to ten years or something. And he was like spending ten hours every day, like, you know, Monday through to, um, you know, Sunday. Just like every single day working on it. And, you know, it's awesome that it's a smash hit for him. He's literally a millionaire from this game. And the thing that made me laugh the most about it is, like, he released it. And then in about, I think it was about 2017, he's kind of going like, look, I can't work on this game forever. You know, I'm not going to update it much, much beyond like 2018 or something like that. Um, and by the way, he actually had a bit of a run in with 505 games and got really annoyed with them and then ended up publishing <laughs> himself. So there you go. That's a bit of a tie into the last story. But um, it, yeah, it just makes me laugh that years ago, he was sort of saying, you know, what people can't expect I'm going to keep updating this game forever. And he's kind of done that. Like <laughs> the amount of content people have gotten out of this game and the passion from the fan base, it's so cool. Like I remember growing up playing Harvest Moon and like this is definitely the spiritual successor to Harvest Moon. And, you know, now like he's on Twitter, he published, you know, this is a while back. Hey, in update 1.5, you can move your bed and it gets like, 60,000 hearts on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's the crazy passion that people have for this game, which is cool. Like, and I get how people are passionate about this game the way that people are passionate about Animal Crossing, right? And kind of, in a weird way to me, maybe even makes more sense with this game, just given that it's got so many systems and so much to do. Um, Yeah, it's really cool. And I do wonder if 1.5 is going to be the last major release. You'd think it would be, right? Yeah, I. It's this is one of the few games that I just always think about and I need to get back and and, and play yeah, it same. again. And yeah. I, I had, I think I might pick it up on Switch because I've only ever had it on on Xbox, and <laughs> it's like I think that's a perfect kind of platform for it. Um, especially if at some point we're able to leave our homes and transit might be a thing again because that's a perfect mm. transit game. Um, and it's just I haven't played it since those you know let's say the first three months being on xbox and so any updates that they've released since then would be just new and fresh to me um and it's one of the games that these days that you know i could just see myself playing replaying for complete fun that's not a multiplayer game you know oh yeah definitely um, yeah and it's funny that you say about the switch thing because i'm debating about getting i've got it only on switch but i'm debating about getting it on pc mm-hmm. <laughs> so but yeah like and just on the commute thing because you know, even though we're not in lockdown in Sydney, uh, as opposed to where you are in Melbourne, you are still in lockdown even after today's announcement. Um, you know, I actually went into the office this week. And now and I, we're pretty good with our work. Like I can go in or not go in and I've chosen not to just to not risk it. Um, but it is amazing. Like getting on the train again, I brought the Switch. It does make me think. It's like, yeah, definitely. I've, I stopped playing Fire Emblem because it was almost my commute game. Like it was just so perfect for that length of time. Like, you get on, do a few battles, and that's it, and just chip away at it. Um, yeah, and it's it's funny how Switch is still, like, absolutely dominating it from a sales perspective, 
And I think one of its biggest features is kind of being eliminated in a lot of territories, which is just, you know, being able to play it on the commute. Um, but yeah, thankfully, like this... thankfully it had Animal Crossing to make up for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, my wife's really back into that. She's time traveling, so she's going through every single day because you can manipulate the time. So she's catching up on every single day because she doesn't want to miss any single day. How many any, How many days is she doing a day? What does that mean? As in, is she... Is she... Oh, the, the pace that she's on. Yeah, uh... is she redoing multiple days a day? Or is yeah, she yeah, just... Yeah, definitely, stick... definitely. Okay. She's, okay. Uh, it's like of the order, I think, of about, you know, four to five days per day. Sheesh. Like, you know, in-game days per actual day. That the right way to say it. Yeah. Um... So she's catching up to October, like where we're actually at. So, and that's oh, a cool man. game, but it's almost like it's so funny. Just to go back to Stardew, it's like, you know, he has a team now, but it's a very, very small team that's working on Stardew Valley, right? And I feel like they their updates have so much more depth than Animal Crossing, and Animal Crossing has a full Nintendo team on it. <laughs> like, it is disappointing in that way, you have to say. You know, like, there's barely any mechanics in Animal Crossing, which is such a shame. But, but yeah. that's Animal Crossing. <laughs> that's yeah, the reason no, why. No, but dude, I... there's less mechanics than there kind of were previously in a weird way in some ways. Yeah, that's fair enough. But that's... And the series has come a long way since the Animal Crossing on GameCube. But You mean just back... Nintendo 64? <laughs> yes. Nintendo 64 <laughs> first Animal Crossing. Um, actually, actually, <laughs> in Japan... <laughs> It's Dobutsu no Mori. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's right. It's not Animal Crossing, it's Animal Forest, you swine. Uh, um, <laughs> God. Anyway, I was just saying, I... Sorry. To me, that is Animal Crossing. It's it's a game that... It's not about mechanics. It's about just doing True. random stuff, you know? But anyway. Yeah, Yeah. look, like, yeah, the last thing on that one is, like, for me... I totally, you, you're right. It's not a mechanics. I shouldn't have even said mechanics. It's just things to do, things to do. You know, it's like, I just wish there was some more things to do from a multiplayer perspective in that game. Like it feels to me like very, very, very vacant from that perspective. But yeah, this is really cool. Um, Stardew, like I get the sense that 1.5 will be the last one. I do wonder if they'll ever make a Stardew Valley 2. Maybe, you know, five years' time or something like that. Who knows? And, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what he does next. Um, you know, he's got a mad, like, a huge following now. Just, I, I think it's very hard for these people to follow up sometimes with these smash hits that they make. All right, well, why don't we get into my favorite segment of each week? The bargain bin. So, the bargain bin for the week commencing the 25th of October. Uh, as we... As tradition dictates, uh, we always start with the Epic Game Store because they always deliver some freebies. Um, so this week, Costume Quest 2 and Layers of Fear 2 are both free. Uh, I, I think you were saying that Costume Quest is not too bad of a game, Swinny. Yeah, well, Costume Quest 2 is is just as good as Costume Quest 1. They're very similar games, but mm. those games are, are really, really fun. I think it's Costume Quest 2 has an achievement where you have to play as a candy corn for the whole game and all the candy corn can do in battle because it's a turn-based like jrpg style game yeah is just like defend so essentially you've just got like uh, a character that can't do anything for the whole game and there's an achievement for it it's actually really funny that, that is funny um and what i'm really excited about is next week 
uh, Blair Witch is going to be free, but then Ghostbusters, the video game remastered, is actually going to be free, which is uh, kind of huge because I was almost going to buy this on the Switch. I saw it in store. So I've actually then, yeah, lucky got, I didn't. got a <laughs> bit of a weird history with this game. So I, oh, yeah. I have this game on 360, not the remastered, but the, you know. The, well, that's the where it originally one. came out, yeah? Yeah, and, and PS3, and I'm guessing PC as well. The that what it was so there was um there was glitched achievements in the single player campaign but they <laughs> years like, later why years don't I later guess? <laughs> no but no you have you don't know where this is going but yeah, yeah go on, go 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 years later they patched it but they basically said okay to if you've ever started the game before and unlocked achievement you can never unlock those other ones but anyone that started brand new can unlock them right so really? i was in a good position cuz i hadn't played the game so okay. unfortunate for those those people in the past, though. But then they but announced bullshit. Like, the what, servers. I like, know. Oh, hey, there's a lot of bullshit stuff about developers not patching achievements. Let me let me yeah. just say that. Um, but then they announced the multiplayer servers were getting shut down, and mm. there's a lot of very difficult multiplayer achievements. So there was a mad scramble. And this is where I've cared about more than RPGs. There's a mad scramble to try to complete all the online. Um, achievements. So there's heaps of boosting sessions coming up. I'm playing this game for hours a day, trying to trying to finish all the multiplayer achievements, and so that you know I don't miss my chance. And it turns out the servers not, never got shut down. They're still up to this day, and I, I, we have no idea <laughs> if that was someone if that was someone misreporting. <laughs> or if it was some, if they were just taking down so one funny. element that was like a leaderboard or something, but the servers never got shut down. So all these, all of us that were rushing around to do it, and I never ended up bothering to complete it because I said, "Oh, bugger that!" And I just at that point, I think, I think that's around the time when I probably gave up all of doing all that stuff. But yeah, I just so I played a lot of the multiplayer in that, and honestly, like it was actually had a lot of potential. I actually think I played some some with with our mates as well just for fun um mm. and uh it seemed pretty cool um but i never got a chance to try the single player so yeah like you know i've heard good things about this game and the thing is you know i love ghostbusters one and two i'm not going to comment about the more recent one that was released um but you know i think we both know but you know for everyone's sake ghostbusters 3 they kept on trying to work on that forever trying to get that off the ground and so much of Ghostbusters 3 got incorporated into this game. So much so that Dan Aykroyd basically has said in interviews he considers the game to be the third movie. And it actually uses a lot of the original actors, uh, their voices and things like that. So, I, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool, man. Like, I'm super keen to, to like, get this for free next week. Like, that's just unreal. That's going to be really cool. And it's obviously, like, Halloween-themed. So, that's why it's, like, they, these items are coming up for Halloween. Uh, Nintendo Switch, do you want to go through some of your highlights? Yeah, so as per usual, just went through, had a look at any games that I thought were a, a cool games to, you know, that people might want to pick up. Uh, so first of all is Knights of Pen and Paper 1 and 2. Um, I think they're technically uh, the deluxe editions. And they're really cool games. I played through them before. Really, really neat. Very funny. Um, they're 50% off and there's about nine days left on those. Uh, Collection of Mana. Um, so that's 50% off with that seven days left. So that's the compilation that has, uh, was it Final Fantasy is it Adventure? I always get this wrong. Final Fantasy Adventure, Secret of Mana, and Second Densetsu 3, which I think is now called Trials of Mana um, in the West. 
Um, a game that I've heard a lot about um, that was a started as a mobile game called Bury Me, My Love. Um, very narrative-driven game, but apparently very good. That's 80% off uh, with nine days left. And Cat Quest, <laughs> Cat Quest <laughs> which is 85% off with three days left. Now, the reason I point that out is it's only like a couple of dollars. And I've been yeah. playing through, I'm currently playing through Cat Quest 2 on Xbox uh, One. That's actually a really neat game, the sequel. And the first one looks very similar. Like, it does not, when you look at it on the surface, you're like, what is this game? Is this something just like crappy knockoff mobile thing? It's actually really well made. It's really fun. It's an act like, it's not really a Diablo style game, but it's a similar kind of, you know, action venture, sorry, action RPG kind of thing where you're walking around a map going to dungeons and stuff. It's really, really neat. So, and it's very yeah. funny. Lots of pun names around cats and dogs and stuff. So. Yeah. And, and I mean, for PlayStation, you know, there's a lot of Halloween sales. There's nothing really that jumped out at me that was a new deal. Um, but yeah, like you might want to check on your PlayStation just for the Halloween sales that are going on now. So obviously your Resident Evils, your Silent Hills, all those type of games are on sale at the moment. And then do you, do you want to jump into Xbox? Because there's some, again, some exciting news of what's happening with Game Pass. Yeah. Why make so... me sign up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah right so two new additions oh, to game pass on, that are, two new additions to the game pass um hey you'll you'll bid 700 dollars on an amiibo but not sign up the game pass. oh i accidentally bid <laughs> technically but i guess you could always say that technically, technically true so new additions to the game pass wait well, hey, i've spent like 150 dollars on a hand puppet before so i'm on the spectrum um <laughs> Hey, I, I sold it for sex puppets. Uh, I sold it for one hundred twenty dollars, so I ended up making most of it back. Um, uh, you're a scalper. Yeah, go on. Go so, on. Uh, new additions to Game Pass. There's two of them, both available now. The first one is big. Is Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, so that's available on just on Xbox, not uh, PC. Um, I have no idea if what it includes in terms of the operators or not, though. Um, that's something that I wish I would have looked up before I thought of it right now. But uh, yeah. at least the <laughs> yeah. at least the base game with whatever base operators that it gave you would be available. Um, and also, Gonna Two is available now on Xbox and PC. Um, I don't know much about that game, unfortunately. I believe it's some it's a roguelite of some sort, um, but. Don't know anything else, unfortunately. But two new additions this week, are, which is pretty good considering there was a huge amount over the last couple of weeks. So, yeah. Yeah, and they've been teasing this uh, Rainbow Six Siege coming to Xbox for a while. Like, they had one where it was like a rainbow, like six rainbows, and it was like a castle that they were trying to, you know, invade, so like a siege. Um, oh, the internet will <laughs> never figure that one out. I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they tag Ubisoft in it. Um, uh, you know, like, I know you're getting sick of this Game Pass thing. It's like a meme now, but I actually saw this news. I'm like, damn, I really want to play and get into Rainbow Six Siege. I think I've said this many, many times. And I'm so cheap, I'm not willing to buy it. Um, but it's it's not on PC anyway. You'd need an Xbox Rainbow one. Six Siege, yes it is. No, the Game Pass. Uh, yeah, no, but that's where I was getting to. You've stolen my punchline. So oh, I was okay. like... Oh, you know, this tips me over the edge. This tips me over the edge. So I checked it and I'm like, what? This is only available on Xbox and Android through xCloud. 
was like, what? This is so weird. Like, why is it on PC? It's like Siege, so annoying. Siege is probably not the kind of game you'd want to be launching through the Windows Store anyway. It feels like that's something that just probably wouldn't be a good idea. Because all you got to think, all these Xbox Game Pass games, like they're the Windows Store versions, you know. So mm, um, Siege true. just feels like the kind of game that you know would be better from. I don't. I know nothing about Siege on PC. I'm assuming it's through their own launcher or something, or Uplay or whatever they call it these days. But um, I'm not sure. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I went from being excited and going, "Oh, maybe I should get into Game Pass," <laughs> to then going, "Ah, damn it," because. <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm such an elitist, like, I cannot play these kind of games on console. It just feels wrong to me. Like, the only style of game is maybe, like, a Gears of War, and I feel like that's been built from the ground up to be on controller. And yeah, Halo, like, there's games where, like... Halo, yeah, maybe a little bit. Halo, yeah. 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 Um, but outside of that, I'd really struggle, like, playing, yeah. like, Modern Warfare and all that kind of stuff on controller. just feels wrong. So yeah, no, another great addition to to Game Pass. It's very cool. All right, well, let's get into uh, our special features, starting with uh, your some impressions of the Solitaire conspiracy. Yeah, so this is something. Um, so this game came out um, on seventh of October, so it's been a little bit. But I was going to actually give some uh, some impressions, but unfortunately, I, it was that week when I was uh, in hospital, so. Um, and I just didn't have a chance to really catch up and play the game properly, um, you know, in the, the last podcast. So I thought, no, you know, I'm still going to give give her my impressions of the game because uh, it's something that not only did I purchase, so this wasn't some free Game Pass game. This is on Steam. I purchased it, so I wanted to get my money's worth. But also I think it's a game that, you know, I really want to talk about um, because I have a love of the developers past games so solitaire conspiracy is a narrative driven spy adventure game a spy card game that's based on solitaire it is not an exact version of solitaire but it's kind of based around the general concept of you have to stack the cards from ace to you know king um for each suit so that's you know we talk about different versions of solitaire whether it's klondike or tripeaks or you know um, Spider Solitaire, they're all kind of based around the concept of having to stack the cards in the deck from in that order. Um, and this is certainly not the first narrative um, Solitaire game. There's a game that I've been wanting to give a, a, a try for ages uh, called Regent Solitaire. There's also Solitarica, I think it's called. Um, these are games that kind of take Solitaire and then just really expand on, on the concept. They're games that I've heard a lot about and, and need to give a shot. But uh, this game, Solitaire Conspiracy, is developed by Bithel Games, headed up by Mike Bithel, um, who is quite renowned, actually. So came out on the scene with uh, Thomas Was Alone, which is a fantastic, hilarious puzzle game. I don't know if you've ever heard of Thomas Was Alone, um, Intergot. No, never. If you see... um, I assume Thomas Was Alone is on Switch. If it's not, if it's cheap, pick it up. It's super funny. Puzzles are really great. You're controlling just different size colored blocks, but they all have different personalities and they the narrator kind of talks about it. And I can't remember. I think it might be... Um, who's the guy that makes The Office? Do you mean Ricky Gervais or do you mean no, like the US one? Stephen Stephen Merchant. I have a feeling... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me let me just double check this. Uh, for some reason, I think that Stephen Merchant was the. 
oh no, it's not. Sorry, it's a guy called Danny Wallace, but he's very Stephen Merchant esque, if that makes Pretty sense. Sounds no, like- no, but he's very similar, like very similar in tone to to ah, okay. um, like Stephen Merchant voiced um, uh, the character in Portal Two that you carry around and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, so it's awesome game and then i also loved subsurface circular which i did play on my switch um which is a kind of a text adventure detective game where you're a robot having to figure stuff out by chatting to other robots that come on a train that's constantly circling um an underground you know uh, network really really cool and so i was super excited to to give this game a shot he's also released uh, some other games uh sequel to subsurface called quarantine circular which is all about a pandemic so that's interesting. Reading about that game made me feel a little <laughs> uneasy. Um, but yeah, so I was super pumped to try this because I love, I love, you know, simple, I say simple card games, you know, like just things like Solitaire and stuff that you can just play single player things to pass time. Um, so I want to give this a shot and uh, I don't know how I feel about it, honestly. Um, so I will say that up front that, he calls this release part of his Bithel short series. So they're not meant to be long games. They're meant to be very short, stylized ex- experiences. And I would honestly say, and not in a negative way, that it's more style over substance. It's more about, hey, here's a cool thing that looks flashy, but don't expect to be playing this game for 20 hours or whatever. So I beat the campaign uh, last night. So there's three modes. So there's a campaign mode that is story-driven. There is... Uh, a skirmish mode and a countdown mode countdown mode is kind of like it will just keep sending you waves of cards and then you've got to beat them in a certain amount of time and there's a global leaderboard which is okay not my kind of thing skirmish is basically just an infinite game that you just keep playing um so campaign though so you essentially it, it's narrative in the sense that there's lots of fmv cutscenes. so each time you level up you have to get up to level 15 that's basically when you finish the game uh or the campaign and there's cutscenes where it features um, the likes of uh, I don't know if you know Greg Miller from Kind of Honey. Yeah, yeah. Hosts, yeah. So Greg Miller's, um, I guess, the main person that's speaking to in those cutscenes. And there's also a comedian that I'm not familiar with called Inel Tomlinson. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that, but a British comedian. He's also one of the the other people in as well. It's. <sighs> I don't know if it works. They, he tries, Greg Miller tries. Um, I think that as it goes on, the material that he's got is a lot better and he does better with it. Um, but it definitely it, it feels like a, a pandemic game, like a game that was made in a pandemic. Hey, we can record these FMV sequences and just send them to you. You know, uh, it, it definitely yeah. feels yeah, yeah. like, uh, oh, no one can do anything. We can't set up a studio to do this. Let's just get someone to record something in their home and they'll send it to us. Um, That's interesting, and, yeah. And it, it, I mean, there's some development there, but honestly, I was expecting the story to be really cool. And they've got these little texts before each, you can choose which mission you want to do. Um, and I'll explain the mechanics in a moment. I just kind of want to get this narrative stuff mm. out of the way. Um, and none of it really hit home for me. I just kind of just skipped a lot of the text because it just didn't, it didn't hook me in any way. Um but they, it does get better, and the storyline kind of concludes in yeah, kind of an interesting way. But in terms of the actual game itself, which is what you're going to be doing most of the time, so you've basically got um, piles of of cards on on the side of a center row, a center sorry column of where you need to put the suits, and there's what they call crews. So there's eight different crews that 
with the face cards of each crew, and the game will have a mixture of crews. It might be two crews, three crews, which is basically the suits of cards. Um, their face cards will have abilities. Then this is where it's completely different from anything to do with solitaire. Um, for instance, when you, if I put the ace card in the center, then that powers up all the face cards of that suit. So those face cards, if I put them on another pile, it might shuffle the pile. It might bring the highest to the top or the lowest to the top. So some of these powers are negative, so you don't actually want to trigger them. Some of them might explode the pile and then scatter them randomly. Um, one of them is pretty cool. So if you place the face card on, let's say, a three, all other threes that are not sorted into the piles already will surface to the top. So you can use the, a way to kind of, you know, you get all the suits in the middle up to two, and then you find a three, you put that special card on it, and all the threes will come and you can put them all in. And honestly, at the start, I kind of wasn't understanding a lot of that. Um, but it's also, honestly, really easy. Um, you know, with with some with solitaire different versions, there's ways you can get stuck. You know, you can you can play a game that's impossible to complete because you haven't made the right yep. choices or whatever. Yeah, and sometimes don't, you don't know you, you're not even able to be able to process that information. Correct. I have no idea if this game is built in a way where that's possible or not. If it's possible to lose, because I didn't lose, I didn't get stuck in any way. Uh, it feels <laughs> like this. This is just going back to you being a god tier gamer, <laughs> no. beating K, King K Rule on the first go. No, honestly, the game's really easy, <laughs> and I guess that's where the countdown mode, like the campaign's probably more to learn about the mechanics, and the countdown's where maybe most people might spend their time, but it did feel like, I'm like, is this supposed to be hard? It just feels just really easy. I just, <laughs> no. I, I love that line. Is I'm, this supposed to be hard? <laughs> no, because I felt like a game that could be actually really difficult if it was, like, designed that way, but it felt just like too simple um it was fun though and i didn't i really wasn't sold at the start but as i really got used to okay how i'm actually planning out to use these special abilities rather than just like just them randomly happening because i haven't thought about it um it got a lot more fun but i won't say that at the end of it that i really it was what i was expecting i was almost expecting a, a more fleshed out storyline or maybe you could actually equip what crews you want to use to tackle something and you can do that in, in the skirmish mode but it just yeah i i guess at the end of it it just felt a little flat for me um so what i'm actually going to do is i'm going to give those other titles that i mentioned like regent solitaire to give them a shot to see if that's kind of going to give me what i was expecting out of this but overall i think when it drops if it drops you know five dollars or below i think it's it's worth a shot um i will say the presentation is fantastic each time you level up, you unlock a new um, kind of theme, which you can immediately equip, which is pretty cool. And uh, it's got really great music. So from a presentation standpoint, as I said, style over substance, I think, with, with Bithel's games. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I, I don't know what to rate this. It's, yeah, it's, I enjoyed it, but also it's probably not the standout that I was expecting based on my the other games I've played, so... And we might need to do this post-show, but you know how we're starting to develop our own review scale, which is like what, a What would you use comparison? for this? Solitaire <laughs> what, games? Wait. So, wait, wait. that's the thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, just, you know, for people who are tuning in for the first time, so we landed on this idea that, you know, we have a spectrum that has, like, bad 
and then like an average game and the average game divides games that are basically good or bad in a binary way. And then we have a game that's like quote, quote unquote perfect. So we've already done it for 2D platformers, which is a natural thing. Very easy to classify. I don't know what we'd classify this game. I was like looking at it going, is this the Bithel continuum? Is this like Bithel games? Is this Solitaire games? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to talk post-show about what we're going to do here. Yeah, maybe there's times uh, when... Conundrum. Maybe there's times when this does not make sense. (laughs) Well, no, no, but you can always classify anything. So, I almost feel like this might need to be on the random scale. (laughs) Just like whatever. (laughs) The uh, other scale. Yeah, I'd say um, if you you like Bithel's other games, I think this is worth a try. Um, But I can't remember the price. I wish I remember the price. I... All I know is I don't think it's worth it for the full price that I paid. Um, it may have been like twenty dollars mm. or something Australian. Um, I think if it if it goes on sale on Steam um, or if it comes to other platforms, because I think it's only on Steam at the moment on PC um, and it's cheap, then I'd say you know give it a shot. So, and yeah, I will also say that the within the first like week and a bit that already re- he'd already released a new update that's like a new campaign plus mode. So the game may actually get more fleshed out um, over time as well. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. No, fair enough. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, And then you wanted to cover um, your, well, I wanted you to cover partly as well, (laughs) uh, your approach to a hundred percent completion, given you are the uh, number one (laughs) Southern hemisphere RPG (laughs) player in the world. I thought, you know, it's a badge these, of these insights what can I say? from a um, Hall of Famer. <laughs> I, I walk, I, you know, I, I start a new job. What's, what, you know, what's your claim to fame? You know, number one in the Hem- Southern Hemisphere. Everyone's impressed by that, always. <laughs> exactly. That gets the ladies. <laughs> now, I guess the idea of this is, um, so talked about last week how I was super pumped that Tales of Vesperia has, uh, was added to Game Pass, including Game Pass for PC. And that meant that it was on the Windows Store, but also they added an achievement list to it. And Tales of Vesperia, for anyone that's played it and anyone that knows anything about how much is in that game, it is a very com- complicated uh, completion from an achievement standpoint and trophies as well. And there's a lot involved as you have to collect every single item, you have to defeat every single monster. Sorry, actively scan every single monster. You have to, there's so many missable um, quests. Basically, you need you need spreadsheets. We need huge trackers for this. Um, and so I guess it was a good kind of chance to actually talk about how I actually approach completing a game. And this is going to be very RPG focused, but there's going to be times when it does apply to other genres as well. I will say that it's mainly focused on single player games. Um, multiplayer is a whole different world. I will mention some stuff at the end though. But um, it's, yeah, it, I, I, Tales of Vesperia is an example. I'm very fortunate that, um, so this is the fourth achievement release. So basically this is the fourth list. So I've had the luxury of going through this three separate times, uh, including early last year when they first released Definitive Edition. So I already had all this stuff ready. Which... I just love the framing that you had there. I've, I'm fortunate that I've already beaten this game completely three times. Well, I'm fortunate in terms of the context of what we're talking about, in terms of having all the information available in a way that I know works for me. So, But for everyone's different when they approach a game. So if you... 
if you get a new game and if you actually want to get all the trophies or achievements in it, the first thing you need to do is figure out, okay, what do I care about this game? You know, do I care about experiencing this game completely blind and not getting spoiled and not getting your experience interrupted or impacted by having to track the achievements or having to know what the missables are? Because as someone that loves achievements, I still do that. You know, there's games like Dark Souls um, and uh, Deus Ex and uh, Final Fantasy. When there's a when there's new games in those series, I don't want, I don't care about the achievements. I turn the achievement notification off. So I will actually do a blind playthrough of that. Um, oh, like that actually amazes me, man. Like I'm so shocked. Like I don't know if you you did listen to the podcast, but I turn off those things always with games because I find it very jarring. But I'm actually shocked to hear that you actually do turn it off for some games. For some games. It it really depends if I how much I I am really looking forward to it. Uh for instance, um a game like Assassin's Creed Valhalla that's coming out soon. I probably not gonna turn it off for that because also it depends how long the game is. You know, if I know this is gonna be a game that's gonna be eighty to hundred hours, that makes a huge difference if we're gonna play it blind or not. Dark Souls is not that long. Uh, Deus Ex is not that long. Final Fantasy, generally, if you're just playing the main quest and stuff, is not going to be that long. Um, so that makes a huge difference as well. Um, and also, you know, when you're when you're looking at a game, do you actually mind doing multiple playthroughs? So if you, you know, some games will need it anyway. But if you if you don't care about doing multiple playthroughs, then then play it blind if you just want to play it for fun um, because. Unfortunately, there's a lot of the ways that you're kind of going to be looking at for these achievements and tracking how to roadmap them, you're going to get spoiled. You know, you might get spoiled about small stuff, um, not so much in storyline stuff, but there's going to be a spoiler at some point, which is important, especially in RPGs where the storyline does matter. So the one thing I'd really flag at the start is when you're planning that approach is it's important to know if there's a new game plus or not. Uh, so a perfect example is Witcher 3. So the Witcher 3 post-launch that added New Game Plus. So I was fortunate that I played it after they introduced that, which meant that Witcher 3, I could play through completely blind and just play and not worry about anything. And anything, any progress I'd made towards all that stuff, when it came time for me to care about the achievements, I could just start in the New Game Plus, which was great. Um, but with New Game Plus, some stuff carries over and some stuff doesn't. So... Generally, that stuff is not going to spoil anything for you. So what I'd do is figure out, okay, especially for RPGs, if it has a new game plus, what carries over, what doesn't? If there's things that don't carry over that you think is going to screw you and cost you another 50 hours of your life to play through, maybe just flag things that you you just want to make sure you don't miss, you know, in that regard. Um, so the important part of this right at the beginning is to do your research. So, you know, there's heaps heaps of great resources out there so you've got the obvious contenders you've got your xboxachievements.com playstation trophies.com so the the fantastic communities there have done what's called roadmaps so that's why i use the term roadmapping it's okay planning out the best way to approach getting all the achievements or trophies in a game and they've done that work for 90 seven percent of games there's so many games coming out these days that there's some that are definitely not there yet but the communities have yeah yeah i was just gonna sorry to jump in i was just gonna ask they structure it because you know i'm a complete noob when it comes to achievements i'm not you know into that completionist stuff but 
um do they do they have it structured so that you can have a spoiler free version like eg you know if you're going to play through it just be conscious that you need to do three things here or else you can't unlock everything or you know what i mean like you know how some games are a bit weird like that yeah so they're pretty good with that like most achievement guides that kind of go through the achievements themselves won't actively spoil stuff and and they will usually flag spoilers in there but what the roadmap does is um so using xboxachievements.com as an example they will have a list and it's generally standardized of general amount of time to complete all the achievements the amount of playthroughs required if there's difficulty specific ones so that you know you have to make the decision you know and that affects your your playthroughs How many, and this is the key one, how many missable or if there's any missable achievements? Because when I say about blind playthroughs, if I see a game has zero missable achievements, I will often just completely play that game and not care about it and clean up afterwards. Because the idea is, well, then I don't have to sit there constantly checking another screen with... Oh, have I collected this thing? Have I done this thing in the right order? Have when? Oh, when is there a decision coming up that's going to impact me? Um, and I can just play through and just worry about that stuff at the end. I don't have to kind of, you know, I can just enjoy the game. Um, but these roadmaps are fantastic and they'll generally say, okay, if multiple, like using Vesperia as an example, that Vesperia requires two and a half playthroughs. And the... I'd say requires, there may technically be possible in one and a half, but generally two and a half is the way because you have to play through the game, do everything, you have to speed run the game, and then you have to do a half a run where you get up to, it's like a third of the game, you have to beat one of the main story bosses under a certain level, so it's like a low level challenge. And this, these roadmaps actually say, okay, play through one, this is what you, this is what you should focus on. This is what you should focus on playthrough two, and this is what you focus on that thing. So, and they do that for every game. And you've got, you know, depending on the community member that's put in the, the time to do it, um, it may be great roadmap, it may be, you know, not that great, but it doesn't matter. Like they've still they've still done the time and helped out the community by giving that information. Because otherwise you wouldn't know any of this. You'd have to figure it out yourself. And then you could force you, especially in these long games, if you really want to complete the achievements. It could force you to have to replay multiple times. And, you know, like at that point, it really depends on your amount of dedication, whether or not you want to do that. Um, so important part, yeah, doing that research. Um, they also, in addition to the roadmaps, they have individual achievement guides. Um, and that's where true achievements and true trophies comes in. So they also have complete walkthroughs for a lot of games that then walk you through these are going to be 100% spoilers because it's walking through the game by hand, basically, and then saying this is when you need to... These are folks on this achievement, this achievement, this achievement. I don't do walk use walkthroughs with very few exceptions, um, but they also have a lot of great guides, and I've submitted guides on there as well. It's super easy. You can have multiple guides with the same achievement to get different opinions. The great thing about that as well with True Trophies is... Um, true Trophies is no way as big as True Achievements, but if there's a game on both platforms, on Xbox and PlayStation, it will list associated uh, guides and achievements on the other platforms so you can say, okay, well, on Xbox, no one's written a guide for this achievement, but I can see that the PS3 version on True Trophies they have, so I can click straight through to there. And generally, it's going to be the same thing. Um, there's very few exceptions where a game will have different requirements on different platforms for an achievement. So that's basically, you know, doing your research about 
I'd say most important, the missable achievements, because that's going to cause you to have to replay sections of game or not. Um, but as I said, like generally, the more you look into this stuff, the more likely you're going to spoil yourself. So that's where, if you really care about that, play through it blind first, and then worry mm. about this stuff in another playthrough. Um, but what I will usually do is look for those missables first. Um, on if there's only a couple, I'll just grab the details of those and not worry about anything else. But in the case of the Vesperia, I will actually have to plan it out. And that gets me into, I guess, a bit more uh, focus on some certain things. So difficulty. So a lot of games will require you to play through on hard mode or you know whatever as well to unlock an achievement. So the first thing you need to know is if they stack or not. Generally, most games will. Um, I think Gun is an example on Xbox 360 where it didn't stack. So technically, you would have had to play through that game four times, except there was an exploit where you could just beat the last boss and change difficulty and things. It was great. Um, and that's I'll get into exploits and, and glitches uh, soon as well. But um, but in terms of like difficulty, like I usually like playing on the harder difficulty first, but. For some people, it's easier to play through an easy, learn the mechanics, um, and then you know how to mainline the game. And then when it comes time to do the hard playthrough, you can just focus on what you need to, and you don't have to like face the optional stuff, which can be tough, especially end game mm. stuff on hard difficulties. But a good game will allow you to, once you've beaten the main quest, knock the difficulty down. So that's what Kingdoms of Amalur actually is. You have to beat that game on the second hardest difficulty, and then as soon as you beat the main campaign, you just drop it down to anything you want to just clean up everything else. So a good game will do that for you. Um, so I mentioned missables. What I usually do, and this is where I guess my prepping starts, is once I know what's involved, I'll start a Word doc. And I will just chuck the stuff in there. So I'll chuck the missable achievements in there. For collectibles, uh, collectibles are probably the biggest pain point for most uh, people with achievements. If it's a linear game, you need to know you know, can you choose a chapter to go back to and collect those achievements afterwards? If not, you need to track that stuff. Um, and that that's painful, like tracking audio logs for Bioshock and things like that. Mm. It's it's kind of annoying, but if you want to get all the achievements, that's the best way to do it. Um, and the important part to know is, are those collectibles tracked within the game themselves? So a lot of games will do that. Some games won't, unfortunately. Um, so... Because if they're tracked within the game themselves and they're not missable, then you don't have then doesn't matter. Like it will tell you which ones you picked up, and then you, you can just fill in the gaps afterwards by looking at a guide. But otherwise, you have to kind of I'll put those collectibles in a word doc as well. And just like the missable achievements and that, as I go through, I'll mark them off. Like it's it's common sense. Most people will do it this way. You know, I just mark them off. Usually, I'll highlight in yellow to say I've got it or whatever. Um, and I guess. For open world games, it's it's very different. So use Grand Theft Auto 4 as an example. You know, having to go around and I don't know how many pigeons, two, three hundred pigeons, essentially a collectible, you know, it's just in different form. There's no way other than the amount when you kill a pigeon and maybe in the stats, I'm not sure. There's no way to know which ones you've killed and which one you haven't across in a whole massive open world. So generally what I will do is, again, assuming that this resource is out there, you go find a map. Um, that has those collectibles. I'll chuck that map in in Photoshop. You could probably do it in Paint or any other kind of thing. And I'll I'll just physically or literally mark it off as I go. 
Um, it's common mm. sense, but it's just the easiest approach. So I did that for Far Cry 2, had diamonds across the whole map. Um, Crackdown's orbs are infamous. There's like hundreds and hundreds of them. I had an orb map. I literally crossed them off as I went. Uh, it just saves you the hassle um, because if the game has no way of telling you which ones you picked up, then you're kind of screwed in these open world games. You're just going to be searching around yeah. forever. So, yeah, enough- you know, it's really funny to me because this is like normally I have nothing to add to these type of things. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting, but, you know, for me, um, you know, I'm definitely not a completionist, but I do find that if there's a game that I really, really love, like I do want to get like 100% in it. And that was the case with Breath of the Wild, which had like one of the most ridiculous, you know, collectibles. And and by the way, like, so the Korok seeds in, in Breath of the Wild. And I remember with the pigeons, even in GTA 4, people were like, there's 200 pigeons across the whole map. How stupid is this? And then, yeah, like obviously with Breath of the Wild, they had 900. And just listening to the developers, they had 900 because they wanted it very achievable achievable for people because you trade the Korok seeds for like more inventory and all that kind of stuff. They wanted it so that it's realistic for most people to max that out. So they added in extra for that reason. But then crazy people like me who were like, I need to get everything in this game. It became like such a chore. So I kind of did pretty much what you're saying, but it was a little bit altered. I actually had it all loaded up on my iPad and I would yep. actually like cross it off on my iPad, physically on the iPad to like get through it. Um, and just yeah. methodically went through it all. Your physical setup makes a huge difference to that. Like I've actually done that as well. Um, I, mm. you know, like I've got a tablet to mark stuff off. Now I've yeah. got my TV next to my PC, so it's pretty easy with that. Um, and if you've got a dual monitor set up and you're playing a game on PC, like I'm a Vesper at the moment, then that makes it easier as well. But yeah, definitely a tablet helps. Um, loading, loading up. I usually I put a lot of stuff on like Google Sheets these days so that I can access it from any of that stuff. That's really easy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's we out of interest for that Korok seeds. Do they have any way for you to track which ones you hadn't hadn't gotten? That's what I'm trying to recall. Like I think there is. I think if you zoom in, potentially, I feel like booting up the game to check. Um, but I do remember, like, not being 100% sure if I had them all as I was getting closer and closer to, like, 900. Um, so then I had to go through each region. I think it was more like the regions. You could figure out from a region if you've got everything or not. Okay. That's and at least that was, like, a big driver of it. That's at least some indication, unlike something like GTA yeah. 4, you know, where it just, you have no idea which one is where or which one you've already gotten. Other than not seeing, yeah, I... physically not seeing the pigeon. You know, you get there and you don't see it, but... Yeah, I do recall like one thing that was really frustrating with Breath of the Wild is that the, because I've got like 100% completion, you know, because there's an actual stat in the game. But part of that is also just being to regions. Like you've kind of like physically entered into the region and it has the little subtitle of what region it is. And there's no way, no real good way to know that on some of those regions based on the map. And, like, at one point, I had to just go back through all these different regions that a lot of people online say are a bit of a trouble. Like, it doesn't really trigger that well, just to make sure it unlocked that one. So, yeah, that was really frustrating. I I got a, like, small sneak into your world. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, this is so frustrating. <laughs> and, yeah, I for people that play, there's people that specialize in open world games. Like, they did have a really good method to doing that stuff as well. Like, I've... As I said, like, I've done that stuff in the past, but now generally I'll focus on RPGs, which have their own kind of, you know, 
challenges. Um, but I generally don't have to deal with big open maps anymore as much. So I'm kind of happy with that. But I guess to get to, to some other things, so there's something, I don't know, there may be a technical term for it, um, but I call them pivot points. So basically there's a lot of games, especially narrative ones, will have achievements for um, going down a certain path in the game. So whether or not it leads to uh, a certain ending that gives you an achievement, you know, and generally there'll be like five different endings each with their own achievement. You've got to understand what those pivot points are to know if a game if a game allows you to make hard saves, um, because not all of them do, um, like, for instance, Dark Souls has different endings, but you have to do multiple playthroughs unless you figure out a dodgy way to do it because you can't, there's no way to save. So you've got to know when to make a strategic save just before those pivot points to then minimize the amount of extra time, uh, extra playthrough <laughs> you have to do. Um, That's pretty smart. <laughs> and there's times there's times you can work around and be super dodgy. So there's a game called Pharaonic uh, um, on Xbox One and probably other platforms as well, where that game, you could not make hard saves. But what you could do is you could get the game to autosave, um, go offline, because autosave then syncs with the cloud, complete the last run of the game and get that achievement, that ending. And then to save you an entire playthrough, what you do is you reload, you go back online, you resync, sorry, you delete your local save, you resync from the cloud, and then it resyncs that cloud save at that point. So there's ways that you can gain the system a bit to then Cheat. basically it is but i mean it's it's in the absence of you being able to make a manual save which most games do um this isn't you sitting there and you know hacking the game you're just literally just just manipulating the save that you'd already made you know you've played through the game it's not like you're not earning it um so there's examples where you're able to do that obviously make sure that you're not breaking any uh, you know terms of service when you do certain things but that's just literally just reloading as a cloud save um, but most games will allow you to make that hard save. And some games, it's it's kind of ridiculous. It's you, You'll just make save before the last boss, you beat the last boss, and just make the choice, and you just have to beat the last boss a couple of times, you know. But understanding those pivot points to save yourself, so save yourself another playthrough is really important. But those pivot points is what's going to spoil you half the time because it's going to kind of tell you when when those decisions are coming up and what they mean and what ending it leads to and stuff. And it's not going to go through the details, but it will spoil you. A um, couple of other things. So any game that has cumulative uh, achievements, so you collect X amount of money or you sell X amount of items uh, or you do this amount of things in combat, uh, it's good to know that stuff ahead of time, um, but I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, I'd say knowing that you have to collect X amount of money, it's important to know is it overall or do you have to collect it all at one point? because that makes a huge difference whether or not you're then going to go spend money in an RPG to buy stuff, or you're just going to keep saving money until you hit that point. That's important. Um, with combat, most games, they will build achievements around using every aspect of a combat system, including things you wouldn't actually do it. So a lot of games, you'll find a nice comfy pocket where you'll just you know do the same thing in combat because it works. But then suddenly, you know, parries are a good example. A lot of people don't parry in games, but they're usually in games. And it usually be an achievement for parrying 100 enemies. So knowing that stuff ahead of time will kind of means that this you can kind of work on it throughout your playthrough and you don't have to worry about it at the end. You don't have to be like, oh, god damn, I played through the whole game, I completed it, and now I've got to go around and find 100 enemies to parry. You know, knowing that stuff can help you just save that hassle. Um 
And that gets me to... And just, just, just on that, just quickly, like, do you ever find that that causes a bit of, like, spoilers for you? Where it's like, it says something in there, like a mechanic or whatever that you didn't know was in the game. And then you're like, oh, okay. Didn't realize that that's in the game, but now I do know that. Yeah, it would. Um, I I don't really care about spoilers for... You, I don't really care about spoilers for mechanics myself, but for anyone that does, yeah, it would, 100%. Because it'd be like, yeah. use... Use the whirlwind spell fifty times, and you're like, I didn't even know the spells in this game, you know. Mm, so yeah, exactly. that that's where going back to the start, like those achievements generally aren't missable unless you reach to a certain point where there's no enemy, not enough enemies to fight, which can happen. But generally, they're not missable. So if you care about that, just flag the ones you know are going to be missable, and just kind of keep track of those in a non mm. and try to you know get it from a source that's not spoiling it for you. And then don't care about anything else. Just worry about it at the end. You know, it's just going to mean that you're going to have to grind stuff that you that you would have probably been able to work on. So it just saves you a little bit of time. But the trade off is you know that there's a parry mechanic in the game. You know, so yeah, yeah, makes sense. And, and this gets me to the, I guess the last part of what I want to talk about with this is the grind. And the grind is real. The grind is is real. It's, it's <laughs> ominous. Um, <laughs> And some games, it's much more uh, much more prominent than others, let me just say that. So the grind is in everything, not just an RPG, but obviously the term comes from, okay, grinding levels and things, or, you know, farming for items or farming for gold, whatever. And unfortunately, in most games, there's always one or two achievements at least that are unreasonable, that no one's going to get through regular play, which... Honestly, like I'm so used to, and it's it's probably worse for RPGs and online multiplayer games the most. Um, and at that point, to me, it's all about efficiency. So I take a very meta approach to things. Um, you know, everyone's going to think of trying to do things efficient, efficient, efficiently, I should say, sorry. But that's where I'm like, I think at that point, the developers have introduced something that is unreasonable to get through natural play. You are free to take advantage of any exploits or glitches you can at that point. I think it's fair game because I think they've disrespected your time. So screw it. Like whatever you can <laughs> I do, love that. whatever you can do, <laughs> and generally, disrespected your time. Yeah, <laughs> like awesome. they they haven't designed achievements in a way. You know, it's not about oh, do this tough thing. Like let's say yeah. if, if Mario Odyssey had achievements, get all the stars or do this. That stuff that is kind of built into the natural play that you just yeah. might have to go a little bit extra and not kill 10,000 enemies when through just beating the game, you've beaten a thousand that happens. Mm. And you're like, oh, come on. No, nobody would have beaten 10,000 enemies natural. It just wouldn't have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. at that point, you know, it just makes sense. Like a lot of this stuff was already documented out there, especially for older games. Um, just research the best methods, try to find, if there's AFK options, the quite a few RPGs will have and AFK. AFK for people who don't know what is away f- away from keyboard, so you don't have to be mm-hmm. there. Um, and usually that will involve rubber banding, uh, so literally putting a rubber band on your uh, controller, <laughs> so that you run around in a circle <laughs> while there's random encounters and you're killing your enemies. And you can leave a plug <laughs> controller in, go to work, go to sleep, and come back, so and hopefully you've done it. It's, but it's literally like it saves, it's not, that's usually not the most efficient way, but it's the most, it's the best for your time and your personal life if you want to complete that. An example of that, Skater XL, we talked about, it's got that ridiculous achievement of like 
yeah, the, around the world, yeah. circumference of the earth. Um, people have already figured out, you know, the most efficient AFK methods for that. Um, <laughs> an example, Vesperia, you know, talking about that game a lot, that has an AFK one where um, you, it's like you unlock a title or an achievement. I think it's an actual achievement. There's titles in the game for flying X amount of miles in the air in your airship, right? So you can AFK that and just keep, you know, it will just keep flying and unlock it overnight. Um, my f- favorite is Chronicles of Riddick on 360. So this was actually, we're talking about multiplayer. Multiplayer is the worst. And that's a, the last thing I was going to mention after this. So in, in Chronicles of Riddick, you had to get 10,000 kills online and 1,000 match wins online. 1,000. So I did a combination of what's called double boxing. <laughs> so literally had two 360s what? and two copies of the game. No. No joke. No, no joke. So <laughs> you're mad. <laughs> so double double boxed it. Um, had a, a dummy double account, boxing. and your dummy and your dummy account has to have lives. Unfortunately, I don't do this stuff anymore unless it's an RPG. Um, but so I, you've got two Xbox Live accounts. I'm not anymore. I like I had like a you get like month passes all the time, like a free month of Xbox Live Gold, and you just use that on it or something like that. Interesting. So Interesting. basically, you'd set it up, and then you did a combination that AFK where you'd set it up so I think I had a turbo controller that would blah blah blah. So when it comes to that, that's not new. Like people know all those crazy methods, but thankfully, a lot of like that's doesn't really cross into the RPG sphere anymore. So I kind of don't avoid that stuff these days. But the the big thing for Grinds though is like you need to keep your mind occupied. And the best thing for that to me is listening to podcasts. Especially if you actually have to mm. actively do much. Like you can watch TV, but sometimes you need to focus on the game and what you're doing, if even if it's grinding. Yeah, yeah. Podcasts are just they're my saving grace. Like I I remember Final Fantasy three on Windows Phone. That took about literally about a hundred hours grinding. Um, and like, that's on a phone. You got to think like, that's not even me sitting there comfortably with controller. And that's when I actually discovered podcasts really, um, you know, like not discover, but discovered how much, how I liked them. And, and it's just great. It keeps your mind occupied, makes the time fly. And obviously this is only for crazy people that care about doing this stuff. You know, most people are going to be more respectful of their own personal time and not do this, but and life and everything. Yeah. And and that gets me to the last part, which is multiplayer. Um so first first of all, we know a lot of people know about boosting when people will, you know, team up and they'll just they'll kill each other, do stuff, and they'll boost the game to get the achievements. Or level up or whatever. Just whatever you do, don't boost in games that still have an active community. That still, you know, if it can't be done in a private yeah. match. Don't do it. It's like, I remember playing Battlefield 3, people be sitting there boosting. It wrecks the game for everyone. But for games that have a dead community, it doesn't matter, like at that point. Um, And the best thing to do with that is jump on a site like True Achievements. They have a fantastic uh, boosting session, whole thing. Like it's a whole built-in. You can set up your, by the hour, you can set up your availability for every single day and then get alerts when there's new um, sessions for the games that you're tracking. Like if you care about it and you don't, there's there's no community to even get those achievements really online. You can't find matches. Like join a boosting session, finish them there. Um, just be warned that that stuff is it, it kind of it's a bit of a soul drain. Um, 
that's the stuff that I'm really glad I don't really have to do anymore because um, not have to, but as in I don't care about anymore because there's yeah. not many those achievements in multiplayer and sorry RPG games. But overall, as I said at the start, just kind of flag those roadmaps are really cool. They give you the general rundown. Also, they usually explain how difficult it's going to be, you know, um, which is important. Some games are really tough to complete. Um, mm. There's a game that's bugbear in mind, Star Ocean uh, 4. I put 300 hours in that game, still haven't completed it, and I don't think I'll ever go back. Is, it, is that the a remake of the Snesswick game? No, it's just a sequel. So, But it's called Star Ocean? Star Ocean 4, I said. Oh, okay. So yeah, I missed yeah. the four. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that game is just like I, this. There's part of it that killed me that literally just meant that I was playing for hours and they meant nothing. And I just yeah. So there's times when even it breaks Tough, someone man. like yeah. me, you know. So, but just yeah, no. Just <laughs> if if you care about achievement, just kind of just just look at those roadmaps, prep stuff out. Um, you know, as I said, like track stuff. I I track stuff in spreadsheets. Like we talked about Vesperia. I did all the work last time I played through to track that all and give myself checklists. It just saves you hassle, um, but don't let it impact your experience of the game. Play blind if you need to. So, mm. yeah, and there's like yeah, if you're super dedicated, you can always just go back and play through uh, the game again anyway, right? Oh, hundred um, percent. But I think for games like Deus Ex is a perfect example. If I would have tracked Deus Ex. Um, and known about all the achievements. Like, it, there's achievements that say, play through the game without being uh, setting off an alarm. Play through the game without being spotted. And that completely changes the way you play a game. You'd be save scumming all the time, as opposed to just playing it and meeting the natural level of challenge that the game is giving you. So there's times mm. when it will massively impact your enjoyment of a game, or at least your experience of the game. So, yeah, yeah turn that stuff off, play through it, and then if you care about the achievements, just do it again. Yeah. Mm. And I think like I covered this with Mike when he was on the show, but you know, I do think it can add to the game and that's the biggest thing that I get annoyed about with um the Switch and Nintendo. I, I do think it gives you cause to go back and play the game. Like if there's if you really love it, like at a minimum. Like you're you're a different kettle of fish because you're like, you know, you've got a mission that you you're on. Whereas I think for me I'm much more casual with that stuff. But you know, if Odyssey you know, Super Mario Odyssey or you know, Zelda kind of has it baked into a little degree, but, you know, if they had stuff in there like defeat a Lionel with this type of weapon or whatever, it would make me go back and play that. And, you know, especially sometimes you find those fun challenges that you just don't set yourself naturally in a lot of cases. Yeah. The, um, so I've always been a big supporter in that way. The perfect example is Little Rocket Man, Half-Life Episode 2. You know, carrying around that no guard gnome from near the beginning of the episode all the way through. It was such a cool experience. And Orange Box is one of the best examples of how to make achievements in a game. Um, and yeah, as you said, like there's games I've played through on hard difficulty that was a real challenge that otherwise I would have just breezed through and probably wouldn't have enjoyed as much. So there's times when it definitely does add to it. But as I mentioned about those grinds and stuff, there's times when you're like, why? Why do this? Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, to me, it feels very disrespectful of people's time if yeah. it's just do X amount of this, and it's sort of like you're not learning something about the game. You're not, you know what I mean. And I'm the same as you, actually. Like, you know, one of the games that I play so much of is Rocket League. 
I rarely play with the actual Rocket League sounds. So I number one, take away all the non-game sounds, like the announcer and all that kind of stuff. But I'll often just play podcasts when I'm playing the game. And, you know, I'm not playing it as seriously as sometimes I do. And I, I find that to be awesome. For whatever reason, the part of my brain that works for podcasts is not the same as playing the game and the strategy and, yeah. you know, that mindset that I have. And I can do those things at the same time. Like I can retain the information from the podcast and I can play like competitively. So yeah, as opposed to, I, I started recently trying to watch movies when I was playing Rocket League <laughs> and yeah, I, I must have, I've watched these movies and I'm like, I can't even really remember all the movie or all the stuff that happened in it. So I sort of dumped that idea, but um. Yeah, was there anything else you wanted to cover with the road mapping? No, look, I think I went pretty deep into it. Um, as I said, there's heaps of resources out there um, and just a huge, huge thanks to the community um, for the amount mm. of work that they do. One person I just want to really give credit to is on xboxachievements.com is the Pants Party. Um, so back, I said I've beaten Tales of Vesperia three times before. The first run through that game, I used uh, their roadmap um, back then, and that was years and years ago, and they're still creating awesome roadmaps to this day. So, just I love people who do that stuff. Oh, it's crazy because not only do they put in the effort themselves to do that, but then they put the effort back to the community. Um, yeah. So, huge credit to the people that do this. They they they're obviously not doing it for any monetary gain. Um, so, yeah, just huge credit to everyone. Yeah, I love that stuff. One of, one of my favorite game journalist is uh colin moriarty he does a really great podcast sacred symbols about playstation and you know before he started working at ign he actually just spent all his time doing um game guides on game faqs hmm. and like so much so that even he played a game recently and then searched for a guide for it he found the guide and then he realized actually geez this is the guide that he wrote like 15 years ago <laughs> <laughs> which i just loved and he had some criticism of it as well. I was like, oh, this is crap the way they've done this or something. And he's like, wait a second, I wrote this. So yeah, I thought, I thought that was really cool. And I love people who give back to the community in that way. That's really awesome. All right. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week's show. Um, as always, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, probably Twitter is the best place. Big Wig Pod. Big Week in Gaming pod, um, which is what it means, not what the handle is. Uh, and, you know, hit us up on the website as well, bigwigpod.com. Pretty much everything is Big Week Pod. Uh, it was easy to secure. You know, we're always keen to engage with the community and, you know, people criticize us. It's fine. It's always like, you know, a bit of an interesting thing for us as well. And, you know, we always love the, the positive feedback as well. If you want to help out the podcast, obviously give it a five-star review or a thumbs up or whatever podcast service you have, or just recommend it to friends or people online. It always helps us out. Uh, with that, I'll say bye-bye. Arrivederci.